0: Welcome to Thug Crowd Radio. Please listen to this important disclaimer in its entirety. All participants of this Thug Crowd Radio episode are characters. None of the stories told during these episodes are based on facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And
1: as always, trust your inner
2: criminal.
3: Hey.
4: Hello, what up? Yo. yo, what up yo. Hello. Welcome. 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 Uh to the crowd. Episode 42.
5: What, what up? 42. What up? What's up? How's everybody doing? I'm doing man. I'm doing.
3: doing.
6: Yeah.
3: Yeah, we were just yeah. discussing uh, earlier how uh, computers makes us feel, and, and they make us feel not suicidal.
2: Oh, is that right? <laughs>
7: yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly yeah, that, yeah. how the conversation went. <laughs> oh, man, Did anyone do anything cool this weekend? I stepped uh, away from
2: a computer for like six days. That was exciting, and then I came back in a slew of work bullshit. So you know,
6: small yeah,
5: I was gonna say I slept, so that was really nice.
4: <laughs> that is good.
3: What's up with this uh this background you're playing? Are you just like choosing random demos now and just like playing? is that is that like seriously stored in like 4K? Oh yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> no, this is a two hundred two hundred and
4: fifty six 256 byte DOS demo. No. <laughs> um I, I wish. I've been <laughs> I've actually I've been slacking on the demo I've been making for us. it'll be out soon. Our release on uh who it,
1: Can we who use those uh, Windows
4: Practical. Media Player visualizations? Oh, I could do that too, but I mainly. Okay, so here's here's my strategy for picking the background. I Google the word "cyber," and then I go to the last page in images, and then that's it.
5: Of course. Okay.
4: So this is a cyber gif. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe I'll get a DOSBox integration to do some demos in the background someday. But who knows? Um, But yeah, thanks everybody for coming. Um, This is an awesome show. I'm excited for this one. We're going to be talking to I Commit Felonies and Jack Hyde about physical pen testing, red teaming, and all the awesome shit that they do in their day jobs. Um, But yeah, um, I guess we should get, want to get into the news. We have kind of a bit of stuff to cover today. Yeah, let's do it. uh, I threw the show notes again in the chat here and threw them in Voiceless Voice, so we can all follow along at home. Um, so yeah, I guess we can just open it up here with the SystemD privilege escalation um, flaws and the amazing System of a Down-themed write-up from uh, Qualys here. Uh, <laughs> then we really have anything they want to talk uh, talk about besides SystemD sucks. Yes.
3: Yeah, uh, so this is interesting, because if you look at the timeline, I think the timeline is one of the most interesting things about this. Mm-hmm. And taking away from the fact that it's System D, is that if you look at when the bugs were introduced to the time they were discovered and and the times that they were and weren't exploitable, I think that's pretty mm-hmm. interesting because you can have you can take away from that that uh, just because your code is not vulnerable today and that a you know an exploit can't be demonstrated today, it doesn't mean you're not writing code that could be vulnerable in the future in a new scenario mm-hmm. as the project grows. So I think that's yeah. what has showed a lot.
4: Yeah, because I mean, there's certain things that just become more accessible and more well understood, like the intricacies of them as time goes on, because System D is fairly new. So the implementations of them are becoming more and more widespread, and people are able to see, I guess, the development of the way that things are interacting. And yeah, it's interesting to see because yeah, some of the first, uh, it says CVE 2018 uh, 16865 was introduced in December of 2011. And right. The other exploits that were happening
3: in 2013. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting as well to show that uh, not because actually, uh, you know what, it was I commit felonies. <laughs> mentioned the, the Linux sisters as being much and much. Um, we we're talking about on Twitter, I don't know like a week ago. Um, mm-hmm. and this is just a an example of where yeah, they're pretty they're pretty much and much, but um, if you look at the uh, affected distros the ones that were not um, w- were compiled with a specific flag so you know there was that extra i um that was on the same code base that that didn't mm-hmm. you know that added that flag so it's it's pretty interesting um to see the ones that weren't affected even though they're using the same code so
5: i was a little surprised that i didn't have like 40 like people jumping down my fucking throat about that comment (laughs) i made about linux i expected people to to freak out when i said that no one said anything it's like wow that's that's really nice
3: i mean it's good it's finally like distro wars uh are back to just between windows linux and mac now it's okay yeah
2: (laughs) I mean, that's a, also a good point. Like, if anyone's blue teaming to have an automated process in place to be actively scanning this stuff when you're looking for definitions and, you know, full stack enumeration tools and figure out what the hell you run, just want to mention that. If you don't know how, you can ask me.
8: <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> so
2: it's a good thing to stay on top of if anyone doesn't have that kind of process in place and you're having something public or even private, it's a smart thing to do.
7: Yeah. It was interesting um, as
3: well that the time exploitation took. Uh, someone mentioned the difference between um, three eighty six and AMD sixty four, um, and I assume that that just has to do with the amount of memory that needs to be allocated and aligned in the correct way, like how long it takes to actually create that exploitable yeah. scenario. Yeah,
4: because it's is the same like, as it's similar to the stack clash bomb, um, which is go- like allocating a bunch of memory and taking control of, of um, syscalls before the shit like when what the moment that things were the ha- stacking heap were colliding uh to be able to like a time that stuff is is difficult and tricky. So it's uh yeah there's I forget the exp- exponential amount more memory that uh is available in 64 bit or is addressable in 64 bit than 32 bit. But yeah it's interesting to see how those kinds of things I guess the things that I, when I look at them I'm like holy shit I don't know how I'd ever be able to actually uh exploit something with like this um seeing the kind of things that you have to do to chain these bugs together for the crew of ones like this
3: yeah and i think it also shows as well like in in situations where you have an exploit that um does allocate a shit ton of memory um that is out of the ordinary operation like if you see a system d process just like pumping through the roof like that should be an alert on your system Um, absolutely and if you're not monitoring stuff like that, please start even from a like even from a general operations perspective, not even a security
4: yeah. perspective. Absolutely, just memory leaking. Um, but yeah, definitely everybody should take a look at that and get your patches going when
2: they come out.
4: Can I say um, something about so you...
2: memory leak tracking, real quick? Sure. Uh, application dynamics being in Azure is a damn good thing. It's something that Amazon is not on top of or doesn't know about yet. But as far as uh, analyzing any kind of web application software, they're far ahead of the curve. You can pass uh, reports back to developers based off an agent and get them on top of something and push it to them and you know have reputable answers on the fly. So,
3: pay all your money to yeah, you.
2: pretty much. I mean, Microsoft, yeah, in a little bit of a sense, has a niche. I'll say that much.
1: <laughs> They've been doing some really good stuff with Defender ATP. Like they just implemented a lot of features that Mimecast has been offering for quite a bit of time.
4: Yeah, no. Definitely interesting stuff. Uh, that little that little project called Microsoft's definitely been taken off. So I'm glad to see it's going somewhere. Thanks for uh, filling us in and stuff. Yep. <laughs> uh <laughs> so the next one here is interesting too. This is this uh, SCP Volns, uh, which is well, net is saying the 36-year-old security flaws. Um, so these are interesting, too, because I didn't realize that this is how SCP actually worked, I guess. Um, so SCP uh, is able to do a bunch of stuff to the client when the client connects. Um, so you can, like, write files to SCP clients. You can do um, hide stuff in ANSI code to run commands and just modify permissions and basically just interact with the client system. So that's pretty I cool. Think-
3: I think the um interesting aspect of this one as well is it's modifying the client right like so you know um most ftp type exploits which i guess is the practical uh you know, scp and and ftp at a practical sense are sort of interchangeable um mm-hmm. but usually you see that, that you know it's a generally a server attack um in that in that model where you want to pop the scp server in this case if there was a module for something like i don't know responder 3 um you could maybe, maybe <laughs> do some, uh, some interesting things with that. Although, um, being built on top of SSH, that does make it increasingly difficult.
0: Hey, I yeah. got a question. I, so I'm reading the article, and it doesn't really explain why new CVEs were uh, issued for no. especially the recursive uh, override of .ssh. Like, that's definitely been an issue for a very long time. Why did they reissue?
3: Uh I assume that they've classified it as a separate um incident. So if it's been closed before and that's like one scenario, it's been identified as a second scenario. So the outcome might be the same, but not the um, exact implementation, I guess. Mm,
0: that's weird.
2: If you yeah. see when SCP listed, um it's weird to see us um what, a score of five point three out of something like that when you see it so massively used, at least in Windows world. But when SCP is also automatically yeah. like or not automatically, but already addressed that and it's already been patched, which I think is pretty crazy in terms of open source software. Someone to take the helm yeah. and lead the way.
8: I, I think no, it's cool. funny
2: as well that
3: open SSH is the one that <laughs> like is the 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 most vulnerable, I guess, in the in this case. Because, you yeah, know, it's the one with all the eyes. Like, I would say, like, in the open source land, it obviously has more eyes, again, uh, watching it.
7: So, yeah. it's
3: I feel like, like it's the one that's... with things,
7: where
4: If it's been there for so long and no one's really touched it, then nobody really thinks about it.
3: Well, OpenSSH development is always happening. Like, it's, it's a constant, ongoing thing. There's always new plans, and they're always, like, looking, I guess. But... Whereas like uh putty yeah. and win s c. p have way smaller development teams, um so
2: yeah, maybe that an older true. group, no fresh eyes on it, I don't know
3: yeah yeah it's not exactly easy to get into open s s h development like oh yeah, I'm just gonna come in as a grad and start working on open s s h uh definitely some cool shit though,
8: um
7: if so
4: you guys have any honey pots get them going uh to I guess play with people who are trying to SSH and SCP to your server with uh, root root
1: or whatever.
2: Gotta keep um, the suite out there and open, right? Publicly available shit, it's
3: fun. Just <laughs> accept every just accept any password, like just take all logins. <laughs> yeah, your key's sure. fine. Come here, come on in.
7: <laughs> I'm looking for hyphens,
4: uh, bro. it works. <laughs> um so the next one we have on the list here is the Amazon Rings uh awesome time that they've been having recently, which I feel like they've just always been having a great time. Anybody who is a developer for Amazon Ring, um, especially um, from earlier last year with uh, MG's little thing, um, little thing, very big thing. Um, but so the, the Amazon Ring, uh, apparently they the team had given um, a Ukrainian development team um, a just like unfettered access to all this uh, camera data and other sort of sensitive data for all the clients, and we're able to basically just kind of do whatever with that, and it was all unencrypted and just stored on an S3 bucket, uh, classic. <laughs> I
9: think Amazon left like... a uh,
4: Amazon S3 bucket open.
9: It's great. <laughs> but this isn't.
3: I don't think this is really a um a technical thing here. Like, who made the policy that says like give Ukrainian company whatever the fuck? They
4: that's want? really yeah. That's really the thing. It's just like <laughs> I didn't a, think it was Trump, dude. <laughs> whatever <laughs> team they have, but it is interesting though because they those the uh the video processing that they were doing in this article or they're describing the article is able to do quite a bit to identify you know people vehicles um, et cetera, in the video feed. Um so all everybody's captures here have really done 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 some work to uh, help help identify all these different things. Um but yeah it's it's interesting to see though, um to have people be able to just I guess see this sort of data in real time and process what's going on in your house.
0: But but it sucks were, the people were hmm? augmenting actual AI though, right? Like they instead of actually having an algorithm to detect it, they had people doing it.
2: Yeah. So you- was saying you think about this like being publicly available how much data collection is happening on the back end as far as machine learning goes on any of these algorithms like you think about the loopholes that they probably built like you know whether you classify them as backdoors or not this is fucking crazy as far as how much data amazon is collecting at this point you know, you know,
0: Maybe, or maybe not like who knows at this point maybe it's all just they say that they're doing all this stuff and they're really not. They're just paying Ukrainian guys to, to
3: pump yeah. the That's exactly that's exactly what happens with um anti money laundering and, and and know your customer type systems where there's a lot of these companies out there that have rooms full of people looking at a a webcam thing that you took of yourself or a selfie or whatever holding your credit card and then they're like, Does that look like the person in the document? Oh yeah, that is like if you're into identity theft just go get a job there
7: <laughs> yeah no
4: it's um it just another another one of the things where people's data is just stored in a weird way and people cutting costs and saving time because the other thing is they're saying is that, it, that even they're they saying that being have being able to encrypt this data or you know make it more secure make any of this access more secure would just be too expensive and it's just like it's like so uh this is like literally video of people's houses like inside of their houses and outside of their houses it just seems well, like
2: so uh, do you guys want to build a smart wallet where you like take your card out and it just scans whatever the fuck comes out of it because i think that'd be best i
4: point. think a camera pointing at your uh your actual credit card, um, and so you can have an app that you can... That's what I'm saying, dude. We include a
2: little webcam, you know, as you pull it. Yeah, Uh, on all of
4: your cards. So if any of them move away
2: from the camera, they'll know they're gone.
4: Yeah.
5: No, it makes (laughs) perfect
8: sense. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it would would
5: never get owned either.
4: (laughs) Nope.
3: There's definitely definitely some libraries you can pull off the shelf that will uh, OCR a
4: CC and uh, verify it for you, so GG. (laughs) Yeah, go on steli.gg and... uh, Look at some of those amazing uh credit card checkers combos um, but yeah, just another just another amazing um tale of people handling our data in a perfectly sane fashion.
3: I think we should right. switch back though to the original uh ring exploit, which was to just steal the fucking ring off someone's house like go and do that <laughs> every time you see one like you see it just to, so that you know if your neighbors have one, take it, steal it, and just put it in the bin.
0: There, there's a lot of people that have them around uh, around my neighborhood.
2: There are business suites that use them. Think about that, like people who yeah. ring doorbells. It's whether or not you you know you can approve or decline, like and tie into a card system. And the same person is going to have access to that. Like they're going to see the ring and they're going to go to the card system. They're going to log in. They're going to approve or deny the request to get into the building, right? Yeah, that's just the way it is. So. Yeah, it's not even just it's not even just homes or consumers at this point. You're talking about businesses and servers and physical access stuff for sure.
0: I didn't know they had a business suite. That's interesting.
2: Not in a. I'm not saying a business suite specifically, but who, I mean anyone in their right mind who sees it as being that simple is going to set that up from a business standpoint, right? That's going to be the front door of a business or a publicly accessible staircase. If so someone walks up, ring a doorbell, see who it is be able to you know approve or deny i mean get a ups or you know fedex costume and see how far it goes
0: yeah i think it's at this point just communication i don't think it sends actions or anything at least
8: not yet
4: (laughs) um so yeah the, the next uh story we have on our list here it's interesting, because um, I've seen some of the effects of this. A lot of us have seen the effects of this. Uh, government shutdown, um, the TLS certs are not being renewed, and some websites are just going down. Um, so, yeah, this is definitely, the government shutdown has caused uh, some pretty big websites to just not be updated, uh, and or just stop operations, like NIST. Uh, U.S. certs thing is being weird lately, too. Um, a bunch of other, like, big cyber security, and just general government operations websites are just lying dormant now.
2: It's funny We've to see what happens. It's bad, years. okay? Who would have thought? <laughs>
0: Do you think a good time would be for other nation states to come after
8: us?
3: Um, yeah. you know, like, when you set up Let's Encrypt, you, like, put it on cron, and then you just walk the fuck away.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> then you can't justify <laughs> your job.
3: <dog>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you can. You just... You just you just find slash every time somebody walks by <laughs> Um
4: but Yeah, I mean it, it definitely it I feel like a lot of the bureaucracy is what makes this thing happen. I bet you they buy these certs for like hundreds of dollars. Uh, hundreds thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. <laughs>
3: no, so um, like to get an intermediate CA is in the hundreds of thousands. So like they probably sign their Yeah. What
0: was what went down? What's the biggest one that went down so far?
8: Um,
4: i don't i the biggest one i've seen is, is nist i mean nist and then u.s certs like the reporting doj
0: the so their certificates went down though i saw them actually put a thing out saying they weren't gonna be around but and then yeah here, it,
4: it doesn't list the full scope of ones that are going down or
0: can uh, you imagine though if there is like Throughout the rest of the year, because who knows like how long this hilariousness is going to go
1: on. Just one afternoon.
4: Yeah. Oh, the DHS website is going is is not going um, to be managed. Oh, that's insane.
0: What about IRS.gov? <laughs> when does that? Explain? Oh,
4: I think that one is. I don't think that one is is going on either. I asked Jason Scott if we could use the wayback machine to uh, get some tax returns, but. <laughs> um but yeah the i don't there's no message on the irs website but i would imagine probably um crazy but yeah i mean it's just a lot there's a lot of people all of the people's jobs that are affected by this kind of stuff that like people just have to maintain this kind of thing and it's just that's like, what i was
2: gonna say too is like you think about how shitty anybody who's having to like enter even i think like micro center and fries have to enter like uh, coupon codes and tax deductibles and all kinds of shit so you consider this from yeah. a retailer's perspective or just being somebody who's yeah. like entry-level college or maybe trying to balance and like my god what a fucking nightmare awesome.
0: yeah
6: we're living we're living in a world where archive uh the internet archive is hosting more government sites than the government is Yikes. it's
4: beautiful stuff here but yeah um go get scanning um, the next one we have on our list here is interesting, too. I mean, it's definitely something that we everybody could have just sort of guessed, but interesting to see it be shared um, on Facebook <laughs> and elsewhere. Uh, people over 65 share the most fake news, the new study finds. Uh, I feel like it comes as no surprise to most people who have grandparents on Facebook. Um, but, yeah, it definitely is something to be... Just cautious of uh when you see this kind of stuff, talk to them, please.
3: <laughs> yeah, replace bandages on your
2: mummies, please. I don't think one
3: of the, uh one of the first things that I noticed um old people sharing that I was like, what the fuck are you thinking? was the whole like if you don't copy and paste this into your status, like Facebook are gonna charge you like five dollars or whatever it was. Like Facebook will no longer <laughs> be free. Like well, Facebook don't own your data, copy and paste this shit. And then, like, you'll be safe. And just heaps of old people were pasting it. It's like,
8: what?
4: Uh, I mean, I mean, we're saying that now, but give us about, like, 30 to 50 years, and we'll probably be doing the same
9: shit. Just watch. Well, Absolutely. there's actually a,
6: a thing called the Flynn Effect, which is how I'm uh, talking about how I, like, crystallized IQ increases, like, generation after generation.
2: Uh, Are we sure about that? Wherever that scene now, can we just agree to DDoS each other? I actually
1: hope that if I ever get that crazy, my children will just like put a pillow over my face one night and let me go.
3: (laughs) It's all about idiocracy.
4: It's the truth. Yeah.
8: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely
4: important though to share with your family members um, if you are seeing stuff like that. that It's fucking fake. Just like as much as they're going to, as much as it's awkward uh Between Candy Crush uh friend requests to uh talk to your grandparents about that kind of thing, or anybody who's older, um, definitely try because it's it's important. I mean, there's people literally like people's lives are affected by this kind of thing, and people older people especially lose a shitload of money on like scams and like just fake bullshit all day.
7: Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And not only that, our
4: responsibility to sort of tell them because they helped us when we were younger, so yeah.
3: But if you uh, if you look at a website now, right, like like you as you are now you're in a uh in an information security type mindset and you look at a website you can judge it pretty quickly based on like the domain the content the like how old it is like there's a whole thing whole bunch of things that you just sort of automatically do to judge what is a good source of
2: information. yeah whether or not you can yeah. sign up for a mailing list being most important <laughs> i think yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah. That's, but i think um if you take away some of those things like the ability to create a good looking website now um is not out of people's reach because of the whole bunch of frameworks and tutorials and stuff like that so um people who create fake landing pages and stuff they look very very similar to a a real source of information and that's a lot of the time what i guess all the people are looking at they're like does this look real it looks real
6: well also there's like a fundamental disconnect where uh like people who don't understand the internet think that like only you know news sites and like official news sites and things can have websites or that it costs you know thousands right. and thousands of dollars to make a website like that, and they don't understand the yeah. how trivial it is to be able to spin up something like that and just put whatever you want on it.
4: Thanks. Yep, and I mean a lot of older generations are more trustworthy because things people weren't just unabashed scammers all day so uh, <laughs> we used to just lay at home when we slept yeah i mean absolutely so no i'm just saying i'm just saying personally because i've had to deal with this a lot um talk to your grandparents talk to your parents tell them yo i mean stop. you
2: know we don't even have to do that we can just ask not dan how's it feel watching shit unfold
0: it's fun it's great <laughs> it's i think fun. about the <laughs> do you see uh... it coming though or like the Facebook thing is that these that demo votes so if they're spreading this fake news stuff like that's that's an active target and they're influencing votes through idiocy but it's effective
3: yeah, yep. yeah. Well, I've been in uh, the industry for over 20 years and all my clients have never been hacked a
4: month my- <laughs> 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 you, you, you
2: hide it well bro
4: so speak, speaking of, of talking to your family members, uh, this is uh, definitely one of the... I, so I meant to put this in the ASCII because um, uh, MG has suggested that we have a bad idea of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, to highlight, I definitely think this might qualify uh, for a bad idea. This is Father Creates App That Forces Children to Answer Parent uh, RSQO texts. I like the quotation is just like fucked up in there. Um but father creates an app that forces parents to uh answer or forces children to answer their parents' texts
2: Um so I was thinking about this and the weird thing was I was thinking about functions and how you could like deter someone and put them basically in a fishbowl until they say a specific thing. So you target like terms and what someone is saying before they can even open any other kind of like APK or application within their smartphone. And I thought that'd be fucking hilarious, honestly. You could really troll I some mean, people.
4: This, though, is legit ransomware. This is just like like glossed up ransomware for parents and abusive spouses and just shitty people. Um, yeah, it seems like a cool idea at first, uh, but the way that this is being described is is like basically the way that the way that the person is selling it reminds me of like a rat, like a rat service on like hack forum. It's
8: just, yeah. Like <laughs> so the amount of users you
4: connect to and. Uh, You know there's different price ranges and tiers and stuff um and yeah it's definitely i think is a fucking horrible idea and please don't ransomware your children until
3: they answer answer. what would like say you're the kid right and you get this message i'd be so fucking pissed dude so i get my dad's like where are you and i'll be like smoking weed and stealing cars (laughs) Just say the most fucked up shit like I'm out trying heroin for the first time. Hit me up in an hour. Like just yeah, everything yeah. they don't want to hear. Or
4: null character. Like uh you could really sit in anything. I mean I would like to see what it looks like when it gets deployed, because it's probably gonna be horrible. Um, but yeah, I don't I feel like it's probably easily defeated and yes, as Plasmaz and other people have said, this is probably the best way to teach kids how to root their phones.
8: If you are a parent (laughs) and
1: you have to install malware on your kid's phone to get them to reply to you, you are parenting wrong. (laughs) Sit down, consider what you're doing, and try a different approach.
4: But yeah, no, um, echo that Dash just says too the target victims are also be, um, you know, women, you know, anybody's in an abusive relationship definitely a huge thing i've seen this before but with google's find my phone and some other different uh, i mean there's like spyware
2: in. packages that are built around that well, it's fucking it's, creepy
4: man. there's stuff that's already built in I, i've seen people take control of somebody's google account like their 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 ex's google account and then lock them out of their phone you know we'll stuff like that like that. that yeah <laughs> no i'm serious <laughs> this is a thing that i actually had to, to deal with one time um And, yeah, this kind of shit, though, it happens. This just makes it easier for people. Um, So, yeah, definitely keep that shit in mind when you're designing anything like this or thinking about using it. Um, uh,
3: Someone did just say in chat, this is some Black Mirror shit. Like, the episode of the, was it Archangel with the uh, implant where they could see, the parent could, like, see everything the child.
8: Well, you Literally.
2: think about Black Mirror, and that's just the future, honestly. Like, you ain't gonna fucking change that. That's two, three years out. That's just what it is. It's just presented on, you know, a mass level, honestly. It's fucking well, weird. Yeah.
6: Black Mirror is, like, popular in part because it's so spot
2: on, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's not that far-fetched, honestly. It is fucking scary, but, like, that's the way it is. It's dark, man.
5: i've heard really good things about that show i just haven't had a chance to to really get into anything television wise lately yeah they're all separate
2: episodes it's not like a sequential series you can jump into something and spend an hour watching something cool or interesting oh that's that's nice
5: yeah that's kind of the the problem that i've always had with series that series is that i find engaging is i just want to like keep watching that shit and can't can't live like that man it's like video games you can't get sucked Mm -hmm. in it's not good
2: i'm not saying go too um, far with it just watch a couple and you'll get the gist of everything i would
3: i would argue not to binge it because you'll probably just end up really depressed
1: yeah
2: (laughs) this popcorn and uh there's no pussy next to me it's depressing i can't wait till
6: the black mirror episode about black mirror addiction (laughs)
5: <laughs> that that would be pretty funny
4: uh moving on here we got this awesome one um Skelstick actually said that he would have what is it he would declare war on me if we didn't um talk about it so uh this is uh Zurich the uh American insurance company uh, decided that they would not pay for the Notpedia uh cleanup an insurance claim from Mondelez uh, because they claimed that it was an act of war. Um, This is interesting, though, because I mean, yeah, it could be classified as, you know, cyber weapons from Russia. But yeah, what do you guys think about
5: this? a lot of money they're just not going to pay. I think that cyber weapons sounds really cool. You should say that a few more times.
8: (laughs) I think it's it's a really
5: dangerous precedent to let
1: random companies make a declaration like that. Um, It should definitely only be a government or some legal institute that makes such a claim, in my opinion.
2: Then someone called and whistled into the phone and launched a... (laughs) (laughs) No,
3: but... (laughs) With the... (laughs) okay so but like what so even if it is say say it is a cyber weapon and a cyber attack like they they weren't the target of a of cyber war in like unless they can prove that you know yes in this military operation of cyber level that you are the target and therefore this is an act of war like if you just get hit with ransomware and you're just a company you're gonna say like oh yeah no that's war too bad
6: well, this is, like, actually kind of has a precedence in, like, actual, like, life insurance, too, because plane crashes and whatnot aren't actually covered by all uh, health insurance po- or, like, life insurance policies because they're considered an act of God. Yeah. And also, That's what I was like, thinking, it too. <laughs> yeah. It sets the precedent, like, where they can now sell, like, nation-state APT insurance, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, but if you're the... Okay, an act of God, though, is um assuming that it's absolutely out of anyone's control whereas like an act of war is absolutely in a in someone's control you know
1: yeah yeah it definitely is an
7: extreme
1: i'd be curious like what particularly they use to like make that specific claim that was an act of war i think
0: because it's probably nation state but It's a Zurich company? I don't know. It's a Zurich American? What the hell is that?
2: That's what fast food looks like on the table at the... uh you know, the White House, and people show up and they won a the championship, and you present them with cold Big Macs and nuggets.
5: That was one of the most ridiculous fucking things I've seen in a minute. I mean, I know we feel like every day we've seen it all, but that, like, what? That was so yeah, weird.
2: Yeah, and they're lighting candles, and you're like, huh, I wonder if that's how they warm up the food. Yeah,
5: I was, <laughs> just, <laughs> I was just gonna say, that. <laughs> like, it definitely wasn't to keep up appearances, right?
2: No,
3: man, <laughs> so... you guys have got it all wrong. The, the family recipe steamed ham.
2: Oh my bad, my bad. We get that God, you're from uh, down standard. under, but God damn it, fuck you! All right, Nancy. Oh, what they damn. really needed was
6: steakums. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maybe
2: oh yeah. A little bit of moon pies on the side that you don't need to warm up. They're good at room temp. It's fine.
5: I had said this earlier on Twitter when one of my friends made a a tweet about that one photo with with Trump just like standing behind the table. So that you know, that's like a perfect image of where we're at in this country right now right there and you got that fuck standing behind a table of all that shit that's, that's us just, right there just like fuck off the bald Lego and put that <laughs>
2: yeah, you no know, you think about this and you think about the like political stance <laughs> and what this person is invested in and you damn well know that it's McDonald's stock right it's damn, <laughs> damn well better be Burger King stock if he's buying that much at the same time he's just pumping it you know pumps it in the background sure. everyone else eat it fucking die from it it's fine
4: Speaking of pumping it, uh, Stakeums guy, uh, we we had an internet victory this uh day uh, because the guy, the person, uh, shout outs to the person who runs the Stakem's uh Twitter because they just came into our Discord and just hung out for a bit. Uh, I think we scared them off though, but well, that's uh, good. In there, so well. if you wanna. If you want to hang out with Steakums people? You <laughs> know <laughs> that meme guys, yeah. We uh, <laughs> hold on, What's the handle? I'm gonna try oh, and remember it now. We just, we just told you that our strategy was to cyber bully uh, companies into sponsoring us. <laughs> um,
2: Is it steak with me? just an A. I'll. Uh,
4: I'll, I'll I don't want to say anything. I'll tell you later. Look at right. uh, Voice's voice there. Um, but yeah, thanks, uh, guys.
2: Thanks, Steakums.
4: Back to the crowd. I um, actually bought stagums last night to take a stupid picture and I don't know. I don't know how to make them. I never made them before, so. Um, Just throw them. But in. okay, so the next, one, the next thing that we have on here is a um, a bill that is going to be interesting to see how this actually gets, gets played out. Actually, I wish you, you should have pinged uh, Esquiring to come on to discuss some of those because um, this is interesting. So there's a bill that is going through the California legislature um, that is trying to basically make it so that if you are like you basically saying that you can't use bots to deceive people online,
7: which seems
4: like the most ridiculous thing to actually try to, to, to do something about. I mean, yeah, it's it probably more nihilistic to say that. But I mean, they're there. So they describe bot as an on, automated online account where the uh, actions or posts are not the result of a person. Uh, online is any public-facing internet website, web app, digital app, or social network, um, and uh, also it has 10 million or more unique monthly United States visitors or users,
7: which is very, very 10 million or more. Yeah, the is real. Unique,
4: unique yeah, is... monthly United States visitors or users for a majority of the months during the preceding 12 months. So you have to be a big social media website, and um, then
0: personally oh, you have to be
2: not years. Dan. Which, uh...
0: I think you, <laughs> you the uh, yeah, it is specific. So they're going after a specific company. It's like
4: Twitter, Facebook, uh, TikTok, which we're on now, at Crab. Um, oh, thank and, you so yeah, much, those, you, those, you fucking Those dick. kinds of things. Um, they're trying to basically make it so that it's unlawful to um, try to mislead somebody with a bot um, to incentivize purchase or sale of goods or services or to influence a vote in an election.
3: All right, hang on that's a second. Wait a minute. Uh, to, okay. to purchase something, how many times have you been hit up by a bot that's like, "Hey, you want to buy some shady Pornhub accounts?"
5: Hey, kid, oh, yeah. you want to buy some
3: blockchain? Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to buy? Do you want to buy Xbox Live for like half price?
0: Just a bunch of retweets of things with products on them, there.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think- mean, this it's, it's very specifically for sales or for influencing a vote in an election. Um, yeah but for are... sales
3: like people who are using bots to to generate income are not selling legal things like generally yeah.
4: well i mean they they also have integrations on like Facebook pages where you go to the Facebook page and it opens up a chat window with like a little bot that you know you can use to try to get you to buy stuff or to interact with the page so those are I don't know if those follow under fall under that same jurisdiction, but it seems like it would.
3: what about the uh you know, like the, the help desk software type bots that are like, hey, can I help
4: you? Or like,
6: you yes. have a website. It's like, hey, do you those, need some Things line? that have
7: RCE,
4: yeah.
6: Hi, hot singles yeah. in your area.
4: Yes, those exact kind of things. Um, so yeah, I don't know how this, I I'd, love, I'd be very interested to see how this would be actually enforced. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's apparently approved though, and it's going to be active July 1st of this year.
3: Does this only affect people who live in California and operate bots, or is this also people just targeting Californians?
4: This is if you are interacting with a person in California online.
5: Wait, it can't so, be. What are they going to do? It did, yeah. oh, that's wow. pretty odd. Yeah. I, I'm curious to see how they wind up enforcing that too. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, Cause it's like, like so if weird. you're out of
4: that jurisdiction, like they'd only be able to really, do it if you were in California doing this to somebody in California realistically.
0: Yeah, that really fucks. Twitter and Facebook, all of them over there. And the yeah.
4: Shout out to
3: all the uh digital gangsters that might live in uh, <laughs> in California. California.
7: Right.
2: <laughs> California way. Press F. Yeah.
7: Um, Good so the, next it, Mike. Have, <laughs> the next one that we have okay. here. Uh, is people using
4: zero width spaces to bypass Microsoft Office 365 protection. Uh, this seems pretty like much like a no brainer for this. This is how you embed links into stuff anyways, without triggering some sort of uh, resolver that turns it into a link. Um, but yeah, people are using this to bypass um, Office 365 links that get sent back to Microsoft for scanning, um, just throwing a bunch of null width characters into there. Like,
3: the strip function, right? <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah.
3: did it- it- this-, this not prevent, like, are they not just stripping white space? Like, do they- are their strip functions terrible? Are they self I mean, these are, these
4: are HTML embeds in this, in the link, in the href link itself, which is not common, unless you're doing, like, an XSS payload, basically, or some, some other weird shit. Um, but
3: there's only, like, within a, within a domain, though, like, you've only got a set character, there's only set characters that you can use. Even if you use Unicode characters, they're converted to the uh the other format. I forget what the name of it is. So having like why are they not converting it to the character set that is allowed for the protocol before they're
4: trying to look it up? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like they're just doing I don't I don't really know how I would like to see how this looks when it actually is getting parsed. Um but yeah, it just seems like it's pretty much as simple as just throwing in an HTML entity for a null with character, and that just will bypass Office of C sixty five. So good to know. Hmm. <laughs> oh, well, up, yeah. Use that
3: on, the, on your next engagement,
4: Zuff um, though, as as a uh, Windows admin, um, what do you think that you just call me a fucking
2: admin, mean? man?
4: you just yes. call me a fucking um, as 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 Bro. a tier one uh, Windows desk, wow. uh you intern,
2: fucking yeah. suck my dick dude what <laughs> <laughs> rephrase that
4: so in your in your six-month internship well how have you been um <laughs> <finishing? Jesus. laughs> right.
2: i'm done here man i'm gonna drop off oh man really? no really? um
4: no how would you actually um address this though from your standpoint
2: phrase it again i was totally zoned down i'm sorry what'd you say well, <laughs>
4: embedding, <laughs> embedding html entities of null with characters into a link in an email um, uh, that's when you stand and up
2: and you walk over to marketing and you just kind of give them the backhand a good five fucking times what do you mean i, I don't know that never <laughs> happened in my world but my god i guess i can't control all the other quote-unquote admins out there but
4: well, so this isn't, this is though, as far as, ed, I mean, from an admin perspective, this is an automatic thing that would be able to parse dangerous links in Microsoft. So this is bypassing that, I guess, are there any other sort of, um, client side mitigations that you could suggest or think of implementing to actually protect against this?
2: I mean, user education, of course, like just teaching people what the fuck they're cooking on beforehand i don't know (laughs) it's a nasty nasty attack vector to begin with but yeah i think um, just being able to and this is you know coming from a standpoint but
8: mm, constantly nailing education
2: into people's fucking faces the people you work with should not be dumb either you should be able to pass that kind of knowledge on so from a
3: network perspective though like if they're hitting malicious stuff like hitting malicious sites is already being should already be Blocked right?
2: Blacklisted somewhere on your firewall, I would hope, layer one.
3: Yeah. So there's there's other like you know um like DPI type stuff that happens. So when they if they do click the link, then
7: protected somehow.
5: Yeah, you got like an email spam gateway or something,
7: Barracuda. Brandon, I don't yeah. know if that would work in that context specifically.
2: No, you're right. Like you could you could sit there and rewrite rules around it too so it,
3: it would definitely be a case though where the most vulnerable people would be the the people who insist on byod and you know they run their office 365 on their own machine that it's probably infected anyway and then they work from home so they're not protected by anything and then they complain when they get
7: hit by whatever oh <laughs> yeah um so the next story that we have on here is
4: malware that was just pre-installed on some Alcatel phones. Um, this is pretty cool, I guess. Uh, the Weather Forecast World Weather Accurate Radar um, that comes pre-installed on some Alcatel smartphones is actually malware. And it, uh, it gets people to dial premium phone numbers from their phone without their knowledge. <laughs>
5: oh, that's, that's pretty funny. <laughs>
8: yeah <laughs>
3: it comes out of the box and it dials like in the background that's lovely
4: yeah it's not even close to like subtle at all no uh, and what's, what sucks too is that anybody who has this kind of phone that's probably uh, if it's a stock app that shipped with it you probably can't delete it right off the
1: bat Et phone
10: hole gotta jailbreak that
1: <laughs> absolutely um, hi guys what's the Oh hey there! Yo,
10: what's up? I made it. <laughs> yeah. Made it.
4: All right. Um, but yeah, so this actually reminds me though of the I brought this up a few times. The Cool Reaper malware that came on um, some certain phones, um, specifically one of them was a Coolpad, uh, Coolpad Rogue, and some other ones that were just some very cheap Chinese phones that I got for five dollars at uh, on clearance at Target, I think. Um, but yeah, these actually, those ones came with a malicious, uh, file system explorer that, uh, Mm -hmm. was like pinging back everything on your phone to Baidu. Um, yeah, definitely interesting to see those kind of phones that are just backdoored. And sometimes they have those third party people that are actually doing that. And it's not even the people that shipped it originally. So it's more of an example of like a supply chain kind of thing.
3: Um, I think the, um... With the with the uh, the technique they used as well, they're dialing the premium numbers. That just really is reminiscent of bluejacking. Um, back mm-hmm. in when bluejacking was a thing, you know, people are walking past and they're all dialing a one nine hundred number that a certain person might own. Um, yeah. for an unlimited amount of time because the phone's in their pocket.
6: There was a really funny attack someone did against, I think it was Twitter, where they set up one of those like premium numbers, but it was a text message number. And then they put that in as their phone number. And every time they got like a confirmation message, it would charge Twitter or whatever. Nice. <laughs> like 25 hey, There was
3: some p- There was some earlier stuff with Android as well, with uh, Tel links, like TEL as the uh, as URI handler. And then you could uh, send that through SMS and other other, message,
7: other messaging formats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, wow. we kind of breezed through the uh,
4: news section here pretty quickly. Does anybody have anything in Goodreads or cheat codes that uh, from the show notes that you wanted to discuss or highlight?
5: Up, down, up, down. Left, right, left, right. A, B, A, B.
4: Our show notes, I put cheat codes as any public exploits that are just kind of released.
5: Uh, recently... yeah the
3: popping calc with uh excel was pretty funny that straight up powershell
5: like yeah i thought that was pretty interesting i hadn't seen that yet so that was that was a interesting find whoever whoever put that out there uh
3: since we got a couple of minutes though do you do you guys want to discuss um uh, the soldier X of twenty nine?
4: oh yeah <laughs> yes um, I didn't put that one on there. Um, uh, a couple of other stories because I felt like they might just eat up a lot of time, but since we have a little bit of time, sure. Um, so, so yeah, discuss Pwnhead.
3: Yeah. So, uh, Pwnhead for anyone who hasn't seen is, a is a website that ranks security researchers, um, in a, uh, questionable format, um, and creates a list of, of who is the best hackers in what countries lol. Um. Yeah, and so I guess a lot of people have looked at this site and pretty much the the Twitter consensus appears to be that ignore this thing entirely. Um, but what it does show is that somebody had the idea to build it and, and they, they've come up with this convoluted way to rank uh, conferences, the speakers, like how many attend- attend- attendees are at the conference, how long a conference has been running for, how many CVEs a person has, tools that they have... Um, uh, submitted that I guess they've mostly come from Kali. Uh, and then they've, they've used that to weight people, um, which all of those things can be absolutely manipulated. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. there was a few people who got asked to be removed from the website, which is also pretty good because they obviously didn't ask anyone, Hey, do you mind if we put you on our hacker ranking website?
1: Um, uh, Hacker hot or not.
8: <laughs> yeah,
6: I, pretty much... I mean yeah the The sad thing is like something like it had a lot of like resources and things right it would be great if it were just a thing that would show you like the research someone did right there's like so many ways you could go with it uh, without making it like this cancerous thing that it is um, however they didn't go any of those directions and they just made it some shitty attention grabbing thing i
9: I suspect it's probably nowhere near as much as people kind of initially thought it would be uh my guess after doing looking is that this is probably just some kid who kind of wanted to i don't know call out his his i don't know hacker heroes or whatever the fuck um and and decided to put this up without much thought and uh he probably didn't expect the reaction he got
0: yeah i would agree
6: also yeah. Moo brings up a good point 150 researchers no women
5: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought that was kind of backhanded
6: it was uh, funny yeah. major, although, like major oversight
3: you could add yourself like you can log in and add yourself and be like i did this so like i can just see like cve ho- like that's i think i was in the thread with dan where it was just like like cve hoarders people who constantly do the same for fun and profit talks at like the speaker circuit and like make i don't know help us that end up on exploit db or in in metasploit or something i don't know like not actual exploits will probably just end up like dominating the chart right
4: yeah yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, i mean it definitely is a very arbitrary way to do something like that and it's just not fair to a lot of people who are actually out there grinding and finding stuff and don't really care about the fame and the clout that comes with you know having you know like four to five different versions of the same exploit DB uh, post you know for different target systems that somehow counts as like you're now number three hacker in the world um, yeah
5: I want to say that I'm interested to see how that site develops but that would imply that I give a shit and we'll look at it in the future uh, which actually, is true it, it, so the
4: <laughs> actually had told us that it was actually going to be going down probably because of the backlash so
5: Godspeed. that's a good call
3: <laughs> I think it's <laughs> yeah. uh some of the things that it missed were like, um, you know, the complexity of an exploit. So like, if it's a really like complex exploit chain that somebody has released that uses like four or five vulnerabilities and is like a hundred percent reliable and like all the other things that make a good exploit, a good exploit, um, it, those are weighted like the same as like curl, fucking SQL, I, like SQLI and then database dump, like same thing. <laughs>
9: I think we, we missed an opportunity with some of our uh, Twitter data people like uh, Forok, Tets, and Dasho, and uh, Gallagher. We really should have uh, done an assessment of how many people and who and how much they were talking about this site so that we could make our own site that ranked people who were most concerned about rankings. It would have been amazing. <laughs> if
0: you can check uh, the individual profile pictures and see who updated <laughs> theirs. Dude. There's only, like, a handful of them. but if you go through the profiles you can see who took it seriously and like they updated their shit i think that would have been funny to to
9: enumerate that and how much people actually cared and who they were
5: yeah uh, that's a, actually, now that's a that's a list i might pay attention to and <laughs> imagine selling make- that
1: list to like vendors you could make good money on that
5: <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: So, so, uh, Infosec AU, uh, Shubs. He was, you know, he's got AU for Australia in his handle, but uh, he was listed as uh, Indian, which I thought was pretty racist.
5: Wow, that's that's you know, that's classic internet shit right there. I guess. Also, Race. my
4: favorite was the one person who was uh, on there but did not have a last name listed.
5: <laughs> um,
7: <laughs> just that one person with an initial. Kind of led
5: us to. Yeah, I didn't even see zero cool in that list. I'm pretty disappointed.
3: (laughs) What do you mean actual date?
8: Oh, he's.
0: I think they stopped adding after a uh, after a few chats. Didn't they forget Giuliani too? Oh
4: man, that he should have been like at least top three.
5: Well, I mean, really? if we're throwing that guy in the mix, what about Al Gore? Can he get a spot? Right. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't even have the internet if it weren't for that guy, right? I think that's the the story. Terry Davis, Al Gore, yeah, you invented the internet. I forget how that fucking thing got started, but that's that's pretty old. I'm I'm reaching here, yeah. guys. I'm reaching.
3: It's actually also the uh, the ex Prime Minister of Australia, Malcolm Turnbull. He was also. Um, quoted as being you know inventing the internet at one
5: point seems like a lot of people who didn't invent the internet invented the internet so that's pretty cool maybe i can get in on that too and get some street creds going well hell yeah
10: everybody i commit felonies invented the internet even though he was probably not even born i'm gonna give him (laughs)
5: all the credit that is how good i am people
3: Uh, the only person who was really born right now is dan so (laughs)
5: Please, Literally sorry.
4: just two seconds. Um yo, so yeah, thanks to what was I gonna say? Actually, I just completely lost my train of thought. Cool stuff. Thanks to everybody who tries to do stuff like this and fails. It's funny. Um don't stop trying. Um so yeah, we should I guess get into our interview now because both of you are here and we've reached the end of our news segment. Um so yeah, we're gonna talk about red teaming, physical pen testing and all that. Um, So,
5: I commit felonies. Uh, Jack, hi. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jack,
10: you go first. Go first. You
5: first. All right. All right. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm I commit felonies, (laughs) a name bestowed upon me by a a friend of mine a while back. I've been doing this stuff professionally for not really all that long, I think six, six, seven years or so. and actually started started really getting interested in in what i was doing when i started the takeover physical engagements that's that's when this got really fun for me because it kind of has everything in it You know, you've got the physical element the social element it almost always ends up in network testing and that's just you know it's been fascinating for me so it's been kind of a an interesting an interesting road getting to where i am now um where you know i i can pretty much run an entire physical engagement and uh you know not really have to it, i never really was a nervous person to begin with uh which i think is what made it so easy for me to get into this sort of stuff but you know the longer i've been doing it just uh the more the more i find myself just being able to kind of Call my shots before I even get on site. Know exactly how I'm going to get into a building or what sort of uh, social element I'll use to get in if I'm doing it during the day. Um, at the moment, um, I'm on the I'm on the red team at at the current company I'm at, and it's it's been pretty interesting. Uh, I definitely have a lot of good times, except for when it comes to reporting. <laughs> but that's just a part of the job. I I forget who it was that I. I saw in their bio the other day, it was an interesting quote that I hack for free, but I get paid to write reports. <laughs> that's, that that's was
8: about- my boss.
5: Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny quote. I, I, I thought, man, I'm going to have to adopt that.
10: Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my boss, too. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Just making sure.
5: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how great my intro was there, but it's your turn now. I'm done.
10: (laughs) It was a fabulous, it was a fabulous introduction. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I am Jack Hyde. I do physical penetration testing. I have been doing this for about three years now. And basically what a physical penetration tester does is, if you know, it's not something you're familiar with, is we break into buildings. Uh, I commit felonies and I, that, that's what we do for entire days are taken up with the the process of doing reconnaissance and coming up with a, a master plan, and then a plan B and C and D, and and all of that to, to see if we can wiggle our way into secure facilities. Um, I was, like I said, I've been doing this for a little while now. I was working as a contractor for a little bit, and then I uh, I got employed with the Walmart Red Team about. A year ago and it has just been fantastic so I know Kyle and I I commit felonies and I both have like a lot of stories um and uh I can't unfortunately tell a lot of the stories from my more more current but uh we've got a ton more other than that Oh, yeah. yeah, and
5: and I was gonna I was gonna put it out there that you know I, I just want to just put a disclaimer I am, you know, not at all a very advanced tester. Um, in my opinion, I just get really lucky a lot of the time and just kind of happen to know what I'm gonna shoot for. I usually wind up getting the results I want, so I mean, I, I don't know if it's luck all the time, but <laughs> it certainly is a good portion of the time. Um,
2: yeah, and I'm not yeah. really.
5: And I'm not really intending to like go through any full stories myself. I don't think Jack is either. But you know, details and specific topics and things like that uh, that we think might be useful to people who are looking to get into that sort of testing. It's kind of what I'm going to be put putting into the stream.
10: Yeah.
4: Sorry, you can go, Jack.
10: Yeah. Um, a couple things. I am definitely not. Uh... <laughs> I am not. Le- I'm not. Uh, extremely advanced in this field either. I'm not, I'm not technical at all. Like I have, I work with an entire team of brilliant minds who are able to take the access I get and turn it into some, you know, I get access to the insides of an office building and they take that and turn it into, I have all of your credit cards. You know, that that is not me. I'm the one who does that end of things. So, you know, there's a lot more talent. um, And I'm I'm really humbled to be able to work with such awesome people.
5: And I think that's a really important point um, for a lot of people to hear is that you don't necessarily need to be a technical person to handle the physical and social elements of that sort of engagement.
10: Yeah, and and he was saying, you know, we don't. It doesn't always end up being extremely complicated. Uh, a lot of the time, we do get lucky in that user awareness is not uh, what it should be, or people are not necessarily following protocols. So I'd say I'd say seven times out of ten. As tailgating into a building um, and you know there are passwords on sticky notes things along these lines people are leaving their computers unlocked so it is an amazing job an awesome job a lot of our stories are really cool but in the end like a lot of the stuff is is pretty basic and it would make our jobs a lot harder if people just follow simple rules
5: yeah it certainly would i mean i can't tell you how many times i've landed gotten my car you know and just gone straight to site after i've had a beer and some steak (laughs) and you know more often than not yeah you just you you go there to do some recon right like you were saying earlier and you just wind up taking a chance and figuring out that like this door is unlocked or Mm, you know this yeah, it's it's kind of funny how that works. Anyway, so like yeah. kind of getting to the topic of initial entry, um, you know, I I would say that most of the time I prefer to actually go in overnight to test the actual physical controls that are in place, mm-hmm. you know, like are these doors locked? Can this sliding door be pried open because it's fire code? you know, are, are the, are the vehicles in the parking lot unlocked? Do they have badges in them? You know, that sort of stuff is typically uh, how I end up getting in. And then, you know, the client still wants to know how the employees are going to react during the day with someone trying to socially engineer their way in. And so that's usually like kind of a back burner for me. Um, you know, a good example would be uh, there's been a few times now where um I've I've done a handful of engagements with clients in a specific industry where it seems to be common practice to have um your your warehouses with weaker physical security than the headquarters in the same block or just down the street um being on the same corporate network. So, course, you know, you don't yeah. you don't always have to go for the gold, right? You can more often than not just find the weakest the weakest physical controls on the most distant buildings or um, mostly, you know, non-office type people working there, they're typically a little more lax. And that's something that a lot of people don't really realize when they're going to do these physical engagements. They think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to have to do like all this recon, determine the the security guards, um, you know, rounds and, and when they do them and where they go and they do it. And then I'm going to need to tailgate in through this door and I'm going to have to, you know, come up with something. Like, it doesn't always work that way. You, you more often than not can just make it really simple.
10: Yeah. And there are those jobs, right? Where, where you get lucky enough to have the client on board with spending a good amount of time and money on doing several days of recon. And the facility is is that secure that you need to spend that much time on it but most of the time that that isn't the case i uh we were talking about this earlier how how we you know land and we just go to do some light light recon like it's the first night i'll go to my hotel and chill out and i think i'll just drive by the site first and oh will maybe i'll try some doors and Oh, let's see if uh, if this particular attack works on this door. This looks like a super easy lock. Uh, let me just let me just kind of play at this. Let me, let me let me look and see what I can do. And uh, you know, all of a sudden, you're on night one of six, and you're already in. I call it accidental <laughs> breach. <laughs>
4: <You're>
10: just, <laughs> you stumbled. Oh, yeah. You stumbled inside.
4: Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> so what I want to ask you guys before, um, before we get too more into stories, I guess is a lot of people have the misconceptions about, as you're saying, people overthinking it or people thinking certain things that you have to actually do or be to be get into this field. But I guess, how about you break us down, break down for us some of the phases that you go through that you're discussing, like recon and, and you know, collecting actual data. What kind of things are you looking for? Like people want to know, the The methodology, I guess, that you put into it.
5: Well, so uh, it, it's important to note that the engagement doesn't necessarily start when you physically get there. There is a lot of over the wire recon that you can do. And I don't just mean looking at Google Maps. I mean, you wanna check social media, the company's pages, the employee's pages, look for pictures where they've got badges. Is it a clear image? Can you replicate that and have one printed for yourself before you even get there? Um, you know, is the badge the same across all yeah. the sites and subsidiaries? And a lot of times you'll find that, you know, there's these massive troves of pictures of the staff all together, smiling and happy and at celebrations and, and things like that or barbecues. And they're just all wearing their badges and it's just hanging out there for, for you to use. And the the nice thing is more often than not, they don't even need to work, right? They just need to look the part because if you tailgate your way in or it's just open access during the day or it's a, a multi tenant facility and you've got multiple companies that work in the same building, a lot of times it's going to be a, way easier if uh if you just kind of use the social angle because a lot of those sorts of buildings are filled with people who are used to seeing faces that they don't know all the time um, you know and and I yeah. guess uh another another thing to to keep in mind when you're doing uh, recon over the internet is look for look for company stores. That's the, that's an interesting thing that has come up a couple of times recently where um, I've been doing my recon before I even fly out. And I see that there's a company store online accessible to the internet and anyone can just buy stuff. They're not verifying the email addresses of the people making the purchases and you can buy yourself a nice little hat. You can, you know, get your, uh, your company branded shirts and and things like that.
10: You, you call in and say. Hey, my boyfriend worked for this company for like three years and he really misses it. And I wanted to get him a show. Could you, uh, you know, could you help me out? I don't have any email, but do you think you could send me one anyway? Uh,
5: Yeah. That's smart. (laughs) Yeah. The, uh, the, the other thing, too, is, you know, once once you get on site, some common stuff that I like to look for is, um, you know, number one, and this isn't going to work for everyone. Not everyone can pretend to be OK smoking a cigarette, but smokers tables are a great way to make quick friends. Um, one of the first engagements I ever did uh, that, that's kind of how I got in pretty much. I, I walked up to the smokers table, I lit up a cigarette and I was just standing there kind of mingling and talking with people, you know, saying I just got hired into it and asking them, you know, how, how do the it guys usually treat you? You know, how do you feel about the processes that they go through when you're, do you have to put in a ticket or do they just fix stuff for you? You know, I'm trying to figure out how I can, how I can keep you guys happy. And, and actually on that particular engagement, I wound up making friends with, um, with an interesting an interesting person who had a very interesting position that I thought for sure you know would mandate a little more discretion than apparently she had but I ended up getting an entire tour of the main building from her um just kind of on a whim you know like oh hey here's the data center and you know here's the facilities room and this is where you're going to go to get your badge and and this and that and and it's pretty it's a pretty interesting approach. It's not always necessarily going to lead to direct access, but more often than not, that's... you're going to end up getting information that can be useful and see how these people act and how they, you know, interact with you.
10: Yeah, I, I think that's really funny, actually, because I have an almost a ident- story. I was... On this job that uh, you know ironically was one of those jobs where they wanted us to spend more than a couple of weeks doing recon on one facility and gave us plenty of time and resources to uh, to plan a breach and um, we did all of this. I ended up getting on the campus sitting next to the smoker's pit and chatting with this guy who worked in uh worked in IT and he was he was very eager to to show me around. I told him that I worked for the same company that a different campus that I just landed. I didn't know anybody and, and he, he you know wanted to wanted to be friendly. Um the social aspect absolutely is a a, a vector inside a lot of these facilities. So, you know, there's it's not always simply tailgating there's there there can be some much more involved methods of entry
7: uh, can uh, I just another... ask you, go ahead
3: I just want to ask real quick like have you had a had a situation where like the guy was a little bit creepy but you went along with it any anyway, just to like get that access
10: yeah so t- towards the very beginning of my career, I didn't really know where to draw the line. And I remember, so I had a specific goal of getting access to Th- these contracts at a manufacturing facility and I was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm gonna manage that because this was before I really had a team backing me up. I had uh, one guy, Tinkersec, and he absolutely incredible um, was able to help me get my foot in the door and, uh, and built me up to the, the point I'm at now. Uh, and he was he was backing me up on, on the tech side but I wasn't exactly sure how to aim for the contract. So once I got in the building, I was actually in the, the guts of the building. Um I I was like okay I'm gonna have to social someone I think I'm gonna have to figure out who's who and where this information might be stored. And um, I I was looking around thinking who could be the best mark here and i saw i saw this poor guy and i did target him on purpose he was uh he was shorter middle-aged he had a cast and and i there was no wedding ring. that's and an the,
5: important note for sure
10: yeah yeah so um i i walked up to him and i think i was like associate or not associate? Excuse me. Um, like employee employee experience, like with an employee experience company, and um, I was like, "Excuse me, sir. I was just interested in, uh, you know, asking you a few questions." Oh my goodness! What happened to your hand? And. I got, I got in, you know, in his personal space, I kind of took like a nurturing tone. I wanted to earn his trust and empathy because he, he looked like he was having a rotten day and he just wasn't, wasn't feeling great. And, And, uh, he took to that pretty nicely and ended up giving me the information that I need, but needed. But that was, that was the point where I was like, because he wanted to get close to me so bad, and I guess I am a little strong maybe in my eagerness to get information from him. Um, he definitely wanted to continue that contact and tried, like, I had fake business cards printed out. And he emailed the business cards, or the email and the business card several times. Um, and I was like, okay, I need to, like, maybe dial this back a little bit.
5: <laughs> Whoops. Recognize, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I, I can't, I can't even say that I've ever been able to take that approach, obviously. Cause I mean, it, you know, as a male on site, uh, if you try and pull something like that with a female, typically it's going to result in red flags, right? Like not, not many females are open to some strange guy, just walking up to them and being super interested in, in nurturing and, and trying to, you know, oh, you know dude.
10: Women have so many advantages. Uh, to, to, you know, to doing red teaming as opposed to men. I, there's, there's a double-sided coin to this. Like we have a lot of different faces we can play, but at the same time, um, men are automatically taken more seriously as authoritative, authoritative figures. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> but it's harder. It takes more work to walk into a room and own it as if she is the boss, as opposed to a man Everyone just kind of makes that assumption.
5: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I got a
1: question. Sorry, did I cut you off there, felonies?
5: No, no, go ahead. Uh, okay. Um,
1: so, have you ever done any like infiltration to like post-work activities, like say coworkers going out for drinks or whatnot?
5: Absolutely, absolutely. That is definitely a valid attack vector. Um, and honestly, I would say that's another interesting thing that you should look into when you're doing your, your social media recon on a given company and their employees. You want to try to, number one, look at their social media posts, um, images specifically, see if you can identify certain restaurants or hangouts, bars, etc. You want to take a look at the closest, um, you know, eateries, if you will, like, is there a subway right next to the site? Because if there is, I mean, you know, get yourself a boss cloner, sit by the door, and when you see the the right badges walk in the door and, and you know you've gotten them you can just walk right back out of the building and you're, you're good to go so a lot of times you don't even really need to interface with these people in those outside of work areas you can just kind of hang around knowing that they're going to be wearing their badges out in public and I've never yeah, really understood yeah. why people do that it's kind of an odd flex <laughs> I guess um, I think like-
10: a lot of and them just don't even think about it like you know you're you're leaving work you work at a hospital let's say you're a nurse and you're wearing your your badge that you normally wear when you're tending to patients and then you're driving home and you've still got everything you know your scrubs on and the, the badge and I think I'm just going to stop off and and get some groceries on the way home. Like nobody really or 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 you know, I work in IT at a data center and I'm just going to grab lunch with folks. Most people are not world of security and they don't really think about it.
5: Yeah, that's definitely true. I guess I shouldn't imply that it's always a weird flex, but I I'm sure there are those people out there who are like, "Oh, I want everyone to know I work for Citibank," you know, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> definitely
3: definitely is.
10: Yeah, and on the, on the, I, I do so much of my OSINT. I normally know, depending on depending on the client, I, I, I can know exactly what I'm walking into when I get there. I will know what kind of locks they use. I'll know what the entrances look like, what the layout of the building is. You know, I could I I could uh, what badge technology they use. So I, because people post so much about what they do and where they work it's easy to have a very good idea of what you're walking into exciting the workplace the more parties the more laid back there the easier it is to find all of the information you need before you step in the state finding
3: out what free drinks you're going to get at the uh after work gigs awesome
5: yeah, and that's a good lead-in, I think, to kind of quickly jumping onto the topic of what you can do if you're going in blind, which, you know, a lot of times I'll admit is is a little more fun. Um, it's not exactly all improv. I mean, once you've done this for a while, you kind of know a lot of the common issues and, and pitfalls that most organizations are going to have just kind of sitting there. But, um, you know, here's a couple of things to consider. Security guards are often viewed as, you know, the people you want to stay away from when you're doing this sort of stuff that they're going to be immediately suspicious of you because they've never seen you before. And I'm here to tell you that shit is not true. (laughs) In fact, a lot of times it is it is almost their job to make sure that they don't become overbearing or, you know, or make you feel uncomfortable and they have to operate within a certain, within certain bounds to make sure that they're not making people's lives difficult. So an interesting example is, um, you know, I, I, one of my first engagements even was against uh, a very prominent financial institution. And my, uh, the guy who was running The engagements when I had first gotten to this company, um, he decided that he would go ahead and take the, the first night, do all the recon, watch the guards, see if they're sleeping in their cars at lunch, look at where they, they go on their rounds and what they do. Are they jiggling handles? Are they radioing in, are they doing check-ins, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then the next night, you know, we go in, uh, he asks, do you want me to go in or do you want to go in? I "I want to do it, man. Of course, (laughs) you don't even have to ask. I was, uh, I was wearing a suit jacket with some really nice pants. I had some, uh, some gunners on and, you know, to make myself look a little less threatening because I don't know if anyone's aware of this, but it is a statistical fact that people find, other people who wear glasses less threatening. I don't know what that's about, but that is a fact that I've I've read and put into practice several times. And that's so, uh, beta
3: you can't see as well. You're not as good for breeding.
5: <laughs> yeah. So I. uh you know, I decided, well, it's we're, we're, we're here at night. We know it's a 24-hour shop because there's customer service reps that are here around the clock. We know that there's security around the clock and they're armed. At the front door is a man lock, you know, or, well, at least what appears to be a man lock. Obviously, the functionality is not fully disclosed to us, so we kind of have to figure it out. Uh, I decided that the best approach, uh, given my my lack of experience, was to simply stand out front, looking all sharp and everything, and be on the phone. I had a badge that I had put on a a simple lanyard that was the same color not not the same design, but the same color as all the employees. And the badge was from some failed startup that I I had started kind of working with for a little while and um you know i just kind of had it chilling in the the shirt pocket underneath the suit but you could still see the lanyard so i'm standing out front i'm on the phone and i'm talking to uh the guy on overwatch you know the the main guy who was running the gig and did the recon the night before he was up on a building across the way scoping everything out for me as i was you know standing out front and he said the security guard's coming and i was like okay all right that's good to know let me start kind of walking away And he said, bonus points if you tailgate him through the man lock. (laughs) I don't know what came over me, but I was like, bet. All right, I'll do it. So, you know, this armed security guard gets out of his little golf cart and he starts walking up to the door. And I'm just sitting there, you know, bullshitting on the phone, pretending like I'm talking to some very important people. And I start walking in. He opens the first door. I grab it and I see him kind of look over his shoulder at me and I, I have to start turning down my phone because the guy on the phone is laughing his ass off and i'm trying to <laughs> you know play it seriously and i know he could probably hear that and so i i get into the first door and this is where i discover it's not really a true man lock because he just opened the second door while i was mm-hmm. in there so he goes through i follow him in and i see a bathroom right behind the security desk and yes. I, I, pre- I say, hey, can I, can I go use that bathroom real quick? He's like, I need to see your badge. I'm like, dude, I'm on the phone with Japan right now, okay? Like, I, I need you to just let me go to the bathroom real quick so I can go do my work. He's like, sir, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, re- I really need to see your badge. And so as dickishly as I possibly could, I pulled my fake badge out. I wave it around. I'm like, here, see, dude, do you see it? And I put it right back in my shirt. And he's like, okay, sorry. You know. So I, I go into the bathroom. And at this point, I'm like, well, shit. I have a non-working badge. The security guard probably thinks I'm a dick. And now I'm just sitting in a bathroom. There's no network ports in here. What do I do? And with some odd stroke of luck, I hear a ding on the other side of the wall. It's like, that sounds like an elevator to me. We had done recon the night before again. So we knew that the customer service representatives were on the second and third floors, which means that when I hear that elevator ding, it's probably people coming out to, to leave, to go smoke, to go to lunch, et cetera. So I, I just kind of hang out for a minute. I hear talking on the other side of the wall. I hear the door open, and then I hear them walk by the bathroom door, and their voices start to fade. I know they've left the building. So I sit. I wait. I decide that the next time I hear that elevator ding, I'm going to wait, you know, five, ten seconds maybe, and then I'm going to walk out and I'm going to catch that door. And uh, it actually turned out to be a little easier than that. I heard the elevator ding. I walked out a little prematurely and I saw the guard like waving to a couple of people that they knew. And I was still on the phone and I walked up to the door and the guy just held it for me. He's like, Hey, welcome, you know, <laughs> late night, huh? I was like, Oh yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> and so, um, and, and right then, you know, I knew that, that it was kind of over. And by, uh, by happenstance, I kind of walked down a dark hallway thinking, you know, there's, there's not going to be any staff down here, less likely to get questioned or challenged on anything. So I can find an empty conference room or a desk and, plug in there. And it it turns out that I kind of just waltzed into the compliance area and uh, decided to grab some laptops. I planted a rutabaga so we could have wireless access from outside the building planted a Dropbox, which at the time was basically just a raspberry pi that did reverse ssh super basic but uh ended up working got confirmation from my guy in the car outside at the other building saying that he had internal access and then uh you know i start stuffing devices and and laptops into my bag from people's desks and then i go uh to walk out the door after we had gotten everything we needed and and knew that we had two methods of getting into the internal network a backup and then the primary which was the drop box and you know Know, then I go walking out the door, and as I'm walking out the door, the security guard waves to me, and I wave to him with a stolen laptop. I was like, all right, man, see you later, <laughs> and and that was that. You know, it was in the bag, and uh, that was that was one of my first engagements, and that you know the rush that I got following that guy in was nothing compared to the rush that I got walking out the door with all that gear, and just kind of as a follow up we went to the hotel to celebrate and and continue the hackery. Uh, we found that the the laptops were actually full disk encrypted, and that was uh that was pretty interesting because it turns out that it, the fde passphrases were based off of the user's a d credentials which are cached, and uh, you know we had ended up finding uh, passwords underneath keyboards and we were trying them over and over mm. again and it turns out that the, one of these guys logged in on this person's laptop or had it at some point we were able to bypass full disk encryption so it was like a full nice. and complete compromise basically just off of a bet that I wouldn't follow a security guard through a, a man lock. it was pretty interesting
10: that is fantastic
5: it's a
1: beautiful story <laughs> so how do
5: you
6: go about giving back like you know five six seven eight laptops
5: <laughs> well so typically you know there's an immature organization at least there's going to be procedures for how to deal with the tail end of these engagements in this particular place it was protocol to notify the authorities um, at a local and federal level if these devices in this specific OU of the organization were ever discovered to be missing. So it wound up being like this huge deal and people were flipping out and the client basically said like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta come return that stuff. Like right now. (laughs) We were like, okay. So, you know, usually it's, it's something that either a, you hang on to everything you have until you're at the, until you're done with the final site or you're doing the final presentation and you bring these things with you as proof or, you know, kind of. Goodies that, that you were able to pick up. Um, but a lot of time, you know, the, the point of contact will instruct you on, on how to return it in a discreet fashion, um, usually notifying the security guard or the receptionist ahead of time that you're going to be dropping off a package. And they don't really say what it is or anything like that. So the, the test remains under the radar to some extent.
10: Yeah. And typically, you want to work stuff like that out with the client in the rules of engagement before. Start. So if uh, yeah, like I'll be I'll be on the phone with and back in my contractor days. The in itself, where I uh, steal company property, sensitive company property that would allow me access to your network from the outside. Is this okay? And I kind of give them the pros and the cons. Like this, you know, this is what a realistic attacker would do if I had a a post-it note with someone's password on it and their laptop was right there. Maybe I access it right there and get a shell called team. Maybe I just take the laptop, uh, depends. And they they will say, yay or nay. And different, wow. different companies, different pen testers do this different ways. Um, so, um, they'll, they'll work out a, a system to get that back.
5: Yeah, and it's really important to note too, that, you know, and this is something that I know a lot of people who are new to doing this are going to have a hard time uh, managing, but just because you can steal stuff does not always mean you should. I can't really explain in much detail, (laughs) but that recently came back to bite me pretty hard because I had surreptitiously gained entry to a building. I did not hit any logs with a badge. Um, I wasn't on camera. And I had every opportunity to completely, you know, just remain unseen and unknown. And I decided to lift hardware that I didn't necessarily need to take. And it wound up kind of killing the engagement in a couple of ways. So keep in mind that just because you can, doesn't mean you should, especially if you have tripped no alarms, you're not on camera and you didn't have to use a a badge and you're not on any logs anywhere. It's really important to keep flying under the radar for as long as you can. Yeah.
10: Especially if you're,
7: yeah, especially if your team's goal.
10: Sorry. Is everybody all caught up? My link just got, like, super loud.
5: Yeah, you're caught up now. I was wondering if that was just me or if that was you this whole time. <laughs> but It sounds like it's you, so that's good. Yeah, it's you.
10: <laughs> so, Oops.
3: Okay, uh, one second. I was just wondering, though, like, so um, a lot of the time... I'm sure anyone who hangs around uh, a lot of IRC, Discords, and you know Slack channels, they'll get a DM from someone that says, "Hey, can you come and hack my company?" Um,
8: yeah.
3: Do you just want to cover quickly, like why you shouldn't take those and what you guys do? <laughs> What's in place with those uh, <laughs> agreements before you go and do any of this stuff and like get yourself in trouble?
10: Yeah, <laughs> it's why I I never went and uh, did freelancing. Um, pen tests all by myself. Uh, is my Lincoln? My is my yeah. voice not as robotic?
1: I think yeah. you could just keep talking through it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're cool. uh, we're trying to serve people from literally
4: every single corner of the earth right now. So,
10: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it's it's why I always went through bigger companies when I was a contractor. I didn't just reach out to clients by myself because there's a lot of liability that goes into, um, being, you know, choosing who to work with and who is legitimate or not. You know, I, I am a social engineer, but I can also be social engineered, socially engineered. Um, it's, uh, being, being reached out to by, you know, a competitor of of Walmart, for example, say, a competitor of Walmart reached out to a, a, a pen tester or a company and said, "Hey, for Walmart, I would like you to do a penetration test and uh, drop this box in in their headquarters." And I'm thinking, I'm Walmart, and I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I'll go ahead and do that." And uh, you know, as long as I, you know, how much are you gonna pay me? For engagement and they go through all of it as if they were legitimate. I'm, you know, and then it be someone completely different. Um, You don't want to be on the hook for that. So that is absolutely a concern of mine. I always
7: went larger.
5: Did, Did I drop out? You muted Did yourself for a minute. Yeah, no, okay, it was it was her. I was just making sure. I thought maybe my link died for a minute. Uh kinda kinda picking up though, I just want to put this out there real fast. Um you know, I, I would love for someone to come along and ask me to hack their company. Like, no, no, I actually haven't gotten any of those strange, weird DMs from people expecting free handouts or trying to con me into bringing into a building or, or hacking a company for them. That actually hasn't happened to me once.
10: I will He's send open. a few He's of mine yours. <laughs> <laughs>
5: there you go. Like, Thanks.
10: I can't, but I know it's
1: <laughs> So uh, I got another question, if you don't
7: mind, Did everybody go away? (laughs) Sorry, I I just switched the region, hoping it would uh, fix
3: back to you. (laughs) Yeah,
5: I noticed that I had to accept a couple of connections there, but they were at the right domain, so I let it slide. (laughs) (laughs) You just shelled everybody here. Uh, No, I didn't. (laughs) Uh, A couple of of things I wanted. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, Um,
4: go, go over.
5: I was just going to say a couple of things I wanted to touch on real fast is, um, you know, in addition to security guards always, you know, not always being super authoritative and and power hungry, like most people seem to think for some reason. um, Another interesting approach is the cleaning crew you know more often than not it seems that there tends to be a language barrier in some cases which actually winds up being incredibly advantageous Um, if you don't look super sketchy a lot of times they'll hold doors open for you a lot of times they're propping open doors when they're moving multiple bags of trash out Uh, once you've already gotten in or you you've been inside for a while long enough that the cleaning crew is starting to come in and you're the only one there you know a lot you can you can pretty much bet that they've got access to a lot of areas that most standard employees might not have access to like certain departments that do more sensitive work. So it's typically a good idea to try and set yourself up to grab one of their badges, either you know by asking them just flat out or posing as someone on the security team saying that a cleaning member accessed an area that they weren't supposed to and we need to see your badge to check it out. And like, oh no, it wasn't me. Yeah, here, take my badge and, and check, you know? And, and then you just walk into the other room, you clone it, you bring it back and you're like, yeah, okay, it was someone else this badge and then you know you're, you're good to go from there but that being Absolutely. said yeah. you know something that a lot of people don't think of is uh when you're using badges you're putting yourself on a log so that's you know use those things sparingly you don't always want to run around at two o'clock in the morning with exceptionists badge you know trying to get into the data center five times
8: <laughs>
5: don't don't
10: say that don't say that that's no, my I, favorite I, I thing
5: a <laughs> uh,
4: question from uh, the chat and from elsewhere to, um, to ask you guys to just quickly go over because we, yeah, um, we, now, we don't have to go too quickly, but um, the first question that I have here is: What are your essential tools for an engagement? Like, what are the things that you're always going to bring with you? Oh boy!
5: For for me, a Dropbox and a badge cloner probably a proxmark those are those yeah. to me are the most important bits and i actually have well i say i but it's me and a friend of mine um have a dropbox design that we've been uh, working on for a while haven't put much work into it lately but it was based off of uh, a very weird hacky way that I did it before, where I taped a I taped a phone to a battery pack to a Raspberry Pi to a wireless card connected to the Raspberry Pi, turn the hotspot on on the phone, <laughs> and have have the shell spray out over 4G so that I don't have to bypass any firewalls. We've we've since advanced that Dropbox, but those two things to me are invaluable. Like if what if is you don't. A Dropbox, more often than not, is a device that you plug into the network to get connection to the the corporate environment and send a shell home. A lot yeah. of times, the more yeah. basic designs are going to be, you know, just sending the shell out over the client's network, which sometimes works without a, a problem. Sometimes it gets, you know, an alert thrown, but it's not necessarily um It's not necessarily going to be blocked, uh, but, you know, just always consider that, again, you might be hitting on some logs that you don't want to hit on. And and furthermore, uh, a good Dropbox will allow you to activate an active mode remotely where it's passive and isn't grabbing an IP address or anything like that on the local area connection until you are ready. So that's an important thing to note, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much in a nutshell what a Dropbox is. It's a a box you plug into the network to get access remotely and either that's going to be you checking it out later when you get to the hotel or you have someone at the ready like Jack's situation typically is who's, who's watching for that shell to come home and immediately goes to work while you go do the rest of the fun stuff on site.
10: Yeah, while you're, while you're digging through drawers and searching for pass- passwords and, um, maybe even unlocking a few computers and plugging in keys and things like that, like the rest of the fun on site.
7: So, uh,
3: there's a question from, uh, from waveguide e, and, uh, he wanted to know if you have, uh, gone back and modified the access control or system logs to cover the, the tracks, the, the door entries, I guess.
5: Well, so that's that's kind of a gray area typically, you know, like yeah. like Jack said a little bit ago, you want to try to get ahead of that stuff when you're scoping things out or before you go on site after the the scope has been determined, you can still ask, you know, do you do you want me to leave logs in place? Do you want me to try to cover my tracks? A lot of times they're going to ask you to leave that stuff alone. Um but, you know, when you when you are allowed to clear logs and things like that, usually when it comes to badges, um, if the company that, that you're targeting is in a multi-tenant building, facilities is out of scope in a lot of cases. So you're not really allowed to go into the facilities office, log onto that machine and clear logs. You know, that's not something you're really allowed to do. So when it's, when it's available, yeah, it's typically something you want to, to make sure that you do. Um, but more importantly, if you can avoid getting on logs altogether, that's, that's the better approach.
3: So if I can go one step further on that question um you mentioned using Proxmox. so with uh, access control if you were to clone the uh the receptionist's uh, card for example um how often do you try and elevate that privilege by modifying whatever you've cloned
5: uh actually you know that's something i i've probably done not too much of uh you can enumerate different, uh, different codes for these badges and try them out on doors that you don't have access to, but you're going to make a lot of noise through that trial and error that isn't necessarily going to do you much good if you don't get to the target before they, they see this and it trips them out. Um, so I typically don't bother myself.
10: That uh, might, that might cause, that might raise more eyebrows than it would get you access, uh, on some systems like there, there are some buildings where you might be able to play with the, the, the badge system for several hours and nobody would even register it. There would be a log somewhere, but who's checking it unless after the fact they realize something happened and they start going through it. But that's, you know, that's if you end up getting detected, but uh, from, (laughs) from a privilege escalation perspective, yeah, that definitely isn't something I would say happens very often.
5: Yeah, and something, something else to consider, um, some, some badging systems are more advanced than others, some are more configured than others. I have, uh, in an interesting turn of events, I was testing multiple sites across the United States for a specific client, and we had found in a backpack at a consultant's desk, badges to multiple facilities across the country Nice. Uh, yeah and so we decided like okay let's grab these for sure right clone them take pictures of them (laughs) and and, uh you know we we flew to the headquarters and we looked at all the doors and everything and we saw this one specific door off the back of the building that looked like it was more for maintenance workers to go through um and we chose to use that door Uh, i can't really explain the thought process behind it it just looked like it would, you know, be be less suspicious than walking through the front door in the middle of the night, where all of the cameras were and the security guard was. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah, we you just
10: know, you just yeah, know. Like so you you, just, when, when, yeah. <laughs> when you've done enough of these, you're like you kind. Of, you look at a building, you kind of see what's going on on the front, you see what's going on on the side entrances, and you know which door is going to be more likely for you to to breach
5: through. And the, the moral of that particular story too, is uh, you know, don't, don't always take that sort of access for granted. Um, we, we got in, we were in the copier room and that's where we put our Dropbox and then we left. We decided to go back later through the front door because we needed to get up to different areas and we, we couldn't get through the door from the copier room to everything else because it didn't have a badge and it was locked. So we went through the front door And my badge was the only one that was cloned to that user's badge. And I had, I don't want to say crudely, because inside of a sleeve, it looked perfectly normal. But I I basically went to, you know, a Kinko's or FedEx or whatever, and um, I printed out uh the badge image on gloss paper and exactoed it out and pasted it onto my my prox card I and we went through the front door brother, <laughs> it's funny too how <laughs> these people just don't even care you know like this is one of the biggest companies in the area and this person working at the the fedex knows that you're doing something super shady and they let it happen anyways but um the the funny thing is you know we went through the front door and, and the security guard immediately came up to the The front door from the back, wherever his office was, and he wanted my badge like right away. And I thought that was really interesting. Now, the badge had my name on it with my face, and he asked to see my ID and he confirmed that. And then he went back, and it turns out, unfortunately, that uh, that one badge was the only one that didn't have an image associated with it. Um, And it also had, you know, the guy's original name. So if I I had just left his name on there, pretended to forget my ID, we would not have had the police ambush us uh, in the middle of our operations that night. Because it turns out that you know, every time someone badged in, the security guard got an alert on his device as well as on his computer that showed which door, who it was, and their image. So he could cross-reference that with the cameras in real time. That
10: almost never happens. That's really cool
5: yeah yeah so it's one of those times where i was just you know blinded by experience and thought that it was perfectly fine and i was doing the right thing by putting my name on there so he could verify it with an id if i was challenged and yeah i mean because the name didn't match up he immediately got some some funny feeling and he called in his police buddies and and that was that uh that was one of the, the couple of times i've actually been hands red caught so that sucked <laughs>
1: um i got a question so has there ever been a time where you've been like tackled or zap strapped by the (laughs) blue uh
5: (laughs) no i have been chased by security before um while i was running out the door with a bunch of hard drives from the incident response <laughs> crew's uh, office and ended up like dropping five of them on the way out the door and and he like slipped on one and it was a whole thing. The, the camera footage was hysterical. I felt really bad though because he like, he hurt <laughs> does his not knee.
10: Qualify does not qualify as covert entry, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no. Well, hey, that was an exit. That was an exit. It didn't need to be covert. <laughs> but um, that's the only time that I've ever actually been chased down uh, literally
10: so That's
5: awesome. That's definitely. Something. Oh, sorry. You mentioned one thing that I was
0: gonna ask about is, uh, you you said you sort of felt bad, and I was gonna ask that a little more elaborate. Is there ever a time when you guys are like have a mark or something where, after the fact, you're like, ooh, yeah, that just that was really rough. I know Jack, you had that one story, but is there any other yeah. time that it kind of gets to you?
10: Yeah. So on the on the, uh, getting chased or tackled side again, it's uh, women have advantages to these things. There's a lot less chance that we're going to be held in suspicion at all. Um, and if I were, I would be like, "Can you come to the? Uh, could you come to the security office, ma'am?" Like that, that, that that's the worst it would get. I've been yelled at, but I've never been tackled. That uh, that would be a first for me. <laughs> um, as far as feeling bad, it's it's really interesting. I had this very elaborate story uh, planned out. I basically pretended to be a, a charity. This was oh, a couple of years back. Um, I was I was gonna be. I, I I knew I had to get into this building that had like man traps at every entrance. That was one swipe, one entrance. Um, like the the glass the glass turnstile type of thing that counted heads and like it was it was in another country it was just the whole thing spelled I am not just like walking into this place so I needed to have somebody on the inside to vouch for me and so I found this uh, this person in like their. HR department who was involved in a lot of, uh, like setting up their charity runs and stuff. And so I pretended to be from, uh, a charity organization with the, with the UN, I think. And, um, I, I was working with, uh, one other, one other person. It was the first time I had worked with this, this guy and he's just the, he has the sweetest heart and, and, he, he had never done a social engineering gig before. And so he went in with me as though he were my partner in this charity, but he is actually my hardware guy. So I got him in the building by setting up a meeting with this charity team within the facility. And he like stole away and was able to plant the Dropbox. While I was ten, you know, while I was weaving this story about being with, uh, you know, the UNICEF or whatever, so he he felt so terrible. We got in the car and we're driving back to our hotel at the end of this. And he's like shaking and he's really upset. He was like, those people were so sweet. And they were, they were so eager to help us out. And they wanted to be a part of what we were doing. He was like, they were so sweet and wonderful. And we just spent the past two hours lying to them. And I said, I, I know, man, but the, the bad guys don't care. Um, that's you know, correct. That's, that's really what it comes down to is the bad guys don't mm-hmm. care. And I will never forget I will never forget he we were sitting in the back of this car and he looked over at me and he said, Have you tested have you been tested for psychopathy? <laughs>
5: <laughs> that's that's a, that is a perfect segue into what I was gonna say, actually, which is uh, I don't mean to sound horribly sociopathic, but I don't ever feel bad, not one bit. No. Um, I mean, there's definitely been times where I know that my actions have gotten people fired and, and just for everyone listening, it's pretty important that you don't ever suggest that people get fired for what they let you do or what they gave you. That's just not OK. Number one, there's a really good chance that that person will be their most vigilant employee from then on out if they if they're you know, given the information of what they let happen. Um, but furthermore, I mean, you don't know what that person's going through. You don't know why they decided to help you out. You don't know what you were playing off of to, to get what you needed. So don't ever recommend that someone gets fired if asked. That's kind of uncool. But yeah. um, I've had friends basically tell me that I must be sociopathic because I just yeah. don't ever feel bad. And I'm always I'm always more than willing to just con my way into a situation rather than sure, trying right? to take a technical yeah. or physical approach when the opportunity is there.
10: The I mean, fact is I've... that... Go That's ahead. I'm true. sorry. I'm sorry.
5: No, I was I was um, just gonna well, say the same thing that you pretty much followed it up with, which is, you know, the bad guys don't care, so why why should I? Yeah, and you have I've like an ethical one.
10: I've pretended to be uh, authoritative figures, I've pretended to be from charities, I've pretended to be from like green sustainability uh organizations i've i've like full on i I had a guy ask me i had a a couple guys ask me on a date one guy asked me to go to tango lessons with him like you you these things are a part of the job and you have to learn how to sleep well at night knowing that you might have ruined someone's day but ultimately you have made their job more secure
0: yeah yep I guess yeah. Okay, cool. I I appreciate the uh, the honesty in those answers because, especially, kind of painting yourself as as sociopathic is something that (laughs) I don't think everybody would be willing to do. Well,
5: um... and and just so we're clear, I mean, like you know, I've I've got a family. Like I care about people, and, and I'm doing my job. That's that's really all it comes down to. I mean, I this may sound totally lame, but you know, I, I, I'm here to party and have fun and hack stuff and break into shit. But at the end of the day, I mean, when you're dealing with critical infrastructure, transportation, financial institutions, you know, these, these companies are in control of a lot of aspects of your life, unfortunately. So it's, it's pretty important to give them an accurate representation of what the threat looks like. You can't, you can't wear your heart on your sleeve. It's not going to do the job for you.
0: Yeah, I think I think the one thing that, at least for me, the reason I, I asked that kind of line of questioning, even though it's a, a little bit of a bummer, is when you you earlier were talking about um, that after hours and and outside of work is fair game with uh, with socialing people. I think that that in a lot of people that are listening probably are thinking to themselves, "Huh, wait a minute." So all these people like that- I
10: have this super. Superpower. so why don't I use it against like everybody? Is that what your question
0: no, is? No, like, more like people being paranoid about uh, making new friends.
5: <laughs> I mean, Honestly. yeah, you probably shouldn't be super forthcoming with where you work or what your position is with everyone you meet, especially if you know that your position specifically could be leveraged um, in a negative manner <laughs> against your company. You know, don't don't hand strangers your phones. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe don't go to bars with your badge in your pocket. You know, it's it's not super hard to pickpocket or to rub up against someone awkwardly with a prox mark in your pocket. Um, you know, I, I don't want to advocate that everyone like does a background check on every Joe that they meet, but at the mm-hmm. same at the same rate, you know, definitely don't assume that people who just are are super kind and and want to talk to you about your workplace for no particular reason are doing so just because they're interested.
10: I also have, yeah, I, I have another uh, word to the wise. Um, I was just talking to some government friends about this yesterday, because apparently it's, it's, it's a very common problem and it's, it sounds super crass, but it's, it's something that you need to, to keep in mind if you're since it, material is this if uh if if she's hot and you're not think opsec <laughs> <laughs>
5: that that's a good one wow that's a good one
10: and it's you know that the same applies for women women are just as just as vulnerable to the same type of attack you know if 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 you normally pick up fives at the bar you know and suddenly a a uh, nine or 10 comes to call and then and all they want to know is about what you do and where you work and you know just use your brain <laughs> that hat on your shoulders
5: uh yeah you we'll took the words
0: episode. right out of my mouth <laughs> this will be the episode that we completely make all of our audience just totally paranoid to talk to anybody <laughs> like oh, I
10: can't beware, beware of pregnant women i'm just i'm just messing up
7: So
4: I I wanted to ask you guys before we get going, um, which is what types of things make your job harder?
5: Um, I, I, honestly, for me, I, I think the answer would be uh, more around the physical controls, um, you know, like if if all the doors are locked, if there's proper controls in place on the the badge access side of of the house, um, if you know laptops are full disk encrypted, if port security is turned on on all network jacks, if you know they've got deep packet inspection going on, you know, like th- these things make my job hard. And unfortunately, it seems that a lot of the time, most of those things are overlooked or not so close monitored and if if I if I always had to rely on the social element then I would be I would be a little less stoked on my job because I mean and I don't know if I'm upsetting anyone or or anything by saying this but you know social engineering is easy man it it really is I I know that for some people it's difficult especially people in the technical field who don't really have a lot of strong soft skills but You know once you learn that a lot of people operate on the same fundamentals and that most people really just want to help you're you're pretty much in your element for good um and that being said you know if if people are properly trained and they know to call out and challenge individuals whom they, they've never seen before or, you know, they know to at least look at the badge and like see if it's pasted onto a prox card and stuff like that. I mean, that would certainly make it exceedingly difficult to ever do daytime breaches.
10: It would be and uh, you know, people want to be helpful. People want to tend to want to keep to themselves. And and if they have to interact with, with another person, they want to come off as helpful. They want to come off as friendly. And they don't want to be rude. All of these things add up to m- me breezing into most of the facilities that I am up against. Even if I haven't uh, replicated a badge and have it, you know, Taped to a Prox card. Um, another. Th- so so so. As far as the social stuff, it's getting your users past the point where they are. At least at least the people who are in charge of the security of your building. So your security guards and the managers and supervisors, getting them past the point where they don't feel comfortable approaching. Somebody that they don't recognize or that looks like they're doing something suspicious. Um, the other thing is is, yeah, like like he was saying, your security, your physical security uh, has been implemented correctly. So a lot of times I'm able to get into you asked a question earlier about um, about our most the the tools we we use most or like our our essential kit. Mine is like a Slim Jim, something that you can just like slip a latch with or a credit card. Um, an underdoor tool, which is just a tool like you see handle, handle style door doors, which are ADA um, required in most buildings now. It's just a tool that, that you can fish underneath the door, hook onto the uh, handle from the other side and pull and then the door is open it is that simple and a a uh, a hunt pad called a Boz cloner um which i am able to almost automatically like uh, just walk past somebody within a couple feet and i'm able to grab the read off their card with a reader that's in my bag and cool. And then I write a new card. Like the that's a thing. So these are like really simple things that you can fix. the The, the cloner, not so much, like you'd have to retrofit your your building's um, badge system and the tech that you use. But like the 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 door latch thing, like that's that's an easy fix.
5: Yeah, another really important thing, well, first of all, just to kind of tack on to your underdoor tool, something a lot of people really don't think about that's super useful to have is a really slim camera, a USB camera typically that's on a cable. So you can kind of fish it through um openings under the door uh kind of see what's even in there if it's worth risking getting caught trying to break into this door um any any small camera that has a cord attached to it is useful even if it's not super advanced or high or quality if your
10: phone is super thin being yeah in- there i've done that. that reverse camera <laughs> yeah uh, I've so done you that. don't want to pick your way into a janitor's closet is the exactly
5: idea. yeah another thing that makes that would make my job super hard is um Hey, receptionists, stop keeping the badges at your desks. Just stop doing that. I can't oh tell you how many gosh. times I've oh walked in a building and, and I have... There's just a stack
10: of like guest badges that are sitting in a drawer
5: that's <laughs> locked. They're yeah. Well, if you want to believe that, I'm <laughs> sure you. <laughs> but honestly, like jokes aside, more often than not, they're not even hard to access. Like they're they're just in a drawer that's not locked inside of a little box that, that is locked, but the key is just sitting in like their little change dish or whatever. Yeah. There's been so many times where I've gotten to the reception desk after hours and we've been able to get into the rest of the building because they had a badge there that was active and not deactivated. And f- to that point, if dude if you have guests patches and you must keep them at reception like i get it 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 makes sense to an extent but at least deactivate them when they're not in use that's or
10: like keep them in a safe or something like make me work for it right Uh, yeah yeah like if if all i have to do is like stick a pen in your wafer lock and everything you know sensitive is stored right there then thanks you know that's made my job easier but
8: like put it on
10: the highest shelf. I'm not a tall woman. Like that, that would be more secure.
0: One last thing I was wondering um, is every organization I've ever been at, there's always been an initiative for, uh, for port locking and stuff like that. And 802 X, how often do you guys come across it that it actually defeats you? Is it any time?
5: Well, so I've come across it a few times. It did not defeat me simply because I was able to, to access a machine that had the certificates on it that I needed, dump those out, put them on my Dropbox. You know, it basically adds, you know, we'll say 10, 15 minutes. To my initial um, access to the network, you know, it adds into the lead time, but at the end of the day, it's usually just as simple as again, flipping some keyboards or booting into a live CD on the OS or on the the desktop that has the, the operating system on it with with the not full disk encrypted because it's a desktop and it stays in the building. Um, so you know, I've come across it. It's yet to it's yet to stop me, but I'm sure it'll it'll come up eventually where I have to work a little harder to get around something like that.
0: I'm surprised you guys even encounter it, to be honest. So
5: yeah, I think um,
3: it's good to remember as well that you can read the MAC address off the side of the printer.
5: Yeah. Yep. Definitely. <laughs> yeah.
10: Default <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> creds work a lot of the time on a lot of these systems too. So, like, well, there's definitely yeah. something to be said for that.
5: Yeah, if you can, uh, you know, if you can just sit and password guess the local admin account for a while, that's not exactly an unheard of way of getting in, um, especially if your local admin password is just that password, you know, and, or any variation of that. Password, um,
10: word, the company you work for, like, when, uh, the, yeah, there's just a lot of there are lists out there. Of of common password. and if your password is on that list, you need to change
5: it. Uh, uh, some something else that's uh, typically really useful to do before you go on site, if um, if there is any login pages for this organization, and you have a list of either enumerated or collected scraped usernames, you know.
10: LinkedIn, baby. Throw-
5: throw that shit, throw that shit in fucking Burp Intruder, like go with winter 2018 or company name 2017, like whatever, you don't wanna lock anyone out. So for every single account you have, you know, you try two passwords and you're bound to get one or two of them that are right. And you don't leverage that externally, you save it. You know, you've you've already hit the logging once, you don't wanna do it again, you save it for when you get on site and you know that all these machines are able to be logged into from any account in Active Directory. Uh, And that's that's one more thing I was actually going to bring up something that would make my job a whole lot harder and has in the past is if you actually limit who can log into what machines, it is not common practice I don't know why it's a pretty easy feature to implement through group policy or even if you had to do it manually on every, every user account set which machines they can log on to I mean it would really make things difficult if I couldn't take. This password that I found in a in a garbage bin on a sticky note, and type it into any computer on the floor. That would that would really be irritating if I had to get just the right one. So that's another thing to and we will. Oh yeah, jump into this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Scared. I have no shame. <laughs> so I'm just
1: curious, what are some of the more interesting uh, biometric mechanisms you've seen in your engagements? Like everyone remembers that classic, "My voice is my passport." Mm-hmm, scene.
10: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, 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 I don't even remember. It happened so fast. I was on an engagement once. I was. Um, this was the same engagement where I was uh, talking with the guy, and he ended up wanting to show me around through the facility. We, we were, we were entering onto a data center floor, and um, I was, I was kind of looking around. It was. Right before we got in, there were a bunch of people passing through, going into the data center. And that was my goal, was to get into the data center. So um, they, I remember seeing their, their, um, the authentication to get into the data center was a pin, a badge scan, like an RFID badge scan, and a thumbprint, thumbprint biometrics. All three of these you had to input before you could get onto the data center floor but the doors were wide open and oh
8: that's <laughs> cool
10: yeah so i could have just walked in and i kind of tried my head in and looked around and one of the guys in line to put his his creds in goes are you trying to piggyback <laughs> and i was like
8: no yes.
10: I kind of, you know, I looked a little sheepish and I got in line at the very end of the line and everybody else went in. And the one guy who said he was going to show me around was standing right next to me. I scanned my badge, which was completely non functioning because their system was way over my head. Like I couldn't replicate the system on my own. Um, I faked typing in a pen. Like my fingers didn't even brush the pad and I didn't touch the biometrics, but I kind of hovered my thumb over it. Like I was, like I was actually scanning it and nothing happened. No beeping, no lights, nothing at all. And I I was just smiling at him and continued this conversation. And we both walked into the data center and he didn't say a word. I don't even know if he realized that I didn't, that nothing was scanned, that nothing was
0: done. And he was good, but
10: I just mind it. <laughs> that's great yeah
5: that, you... that remind that reminds me of something else I was gonna point out is uh even if you have like a prox card that you haven't cloned to anything yet, um something that you can do to at least make yourself look legitimate is when you're tailgating people and a security guard is watching you or something like that. Just badge it anyway, even though you know it's not gonna work. if the door's yeah. already open, it's still gonna beep you know, like they're, they're going to hear well, that, yeah. like that. If,
10: if you have, so I, if you, if you've done this long enough, you start kind of realizing what tech you're working with. When you, when you look at a building from the outside, um, when, when you look at their badge scanners, uh, the, the readers. And so if you've got a card on hand, chances are that you can walk up to it and scan it, even with an invalid badge, it will still beep. Even if the, door doesn't unlock it sounds the exact same as if the card was functioning so yeah or or i've known people who like have the sound on their phone they'll they'll pull up like badge reader beep and they'll just play it as they walk
5: by yeah Yeah, something too is when you're when you're doing that um kind of i don't know what the the right adjective would be but when you're kind of preemptively scanning your badge before you're about to tailgate someone in you know immediately bitch and complain that you this is the fourth time this week you've put your badge in the same pocket as your phone and now it's not working again most and, people uh, <laughs> most people that's happened to them so they're gonna understand and am like oh yeah here let me let you in you need to go get that taken care of yeah I mean, a lot of people don't this think especially that,
10: works if it's like super no, go ahead. That's that's just it. Like, if it's really quite cool, damn it, it's not working again. Like, I you know, I keep putting it in the same pocket as as my phone, and that that often is a is an issue with like hotel room cards. I I don't think that happens with with like corporate cards, but the people are familiar with that problem.
5: Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still something that you can play off of, even though it's not typically something that happens with. Uh, yeah proximity cards yeah
10: anyway that that's a thing
4: (laughs) well hell yeah um it's getting kind of late so we should probably wrap this up um but is there any last words you guys want to say before uh we get going any last words
8: (laughs) From,
5: (laughs) from me um not not really i guess um you know just like, like the questions that, that were asked, I think were really good. And that's the, the answers that we gave, I think are what I would like people to really kind of focus on specifically around um, what could make our jobs harder. That stuff really isn't as difficult to implement as a lot of corporations would, you know, be led to believe like, yeah, the amount of employees you have and the amount of doors you have, the amount of systems you have can definitely make certain controls more difficult to implement. But at the end of the day, if it's going to stop an attacker from having an easy entry, it's worth it. Um, It's really, really worth it to just do these simple things like deactivate badges that aren't in use, restrict login to machines that are only for that specific user and they can't log in anywhere else. Train your users uh, to make sure that they understand. You can't just let anyone waltz around the building if you don't know who they are. Don't be afraid to challenge people. If they're above you, they're going to understand why you're doing it and they're not going to be mad at you. If they're below you in hierarchy, then, you know, they're not really going to be in a position to you know question your authority in the first place. Just there's nothing wrong with making sure that whoever you're looking at is supposed to be there.
10: Yeah, and I would say as far as that user heard, stories like ours are absolutely essential because you can batter into their brains all day long. They don't allow tailgating and. Don't just let people walk into the server rooms. Like you can, you can give them all of these rules, but without the power of a story to back it up, it's just not as powerful. And that's one of the the big things that I really enjoy doing and going around and telling my stories. Why I do the the tweet stories um, is to to spread the the word about what i do and the damage it can do and what i found is that a lot of those people are really really eager to be a part of the solution they want to be the one who catches us and so
0: those live uh, things that you do on uh, twitter are awesome don't let anybody try and shame you into not doing it i've seen i've seen a few few people do that to you yeah that's okay (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> you know I, I, something. I something I was I was gonna stop myself from saying, but I think is really important. Um, so when I first started doing physicals, I actually did that a few times myself. Sort of more or less live tweeted uh, the engagement. Of course, I did all of uh, the the best things I could do to make sure that I wasn't you know doxing my client or putting out images of things that could only exist in that client's environment or gave them away, but. Um, You know, I I had reached out to a guy that was pretty prominent physical tester at the company I was working at, but he had left. I reached out to him, you know, for advice, you know, can you, can you maybe help me, um, Kind of get my feet wet on this. Do you have stories from when you worked here? Uh, I know you worked on this client. I'm about to go to their site. Is there anything you can give me to help me out? Dude completely ignored me. Right? Like didn't didn't ever respond. I know he saw the messages, but he didn't ever reply. And then I I hear through the grapevine from a mutual friend of ours that you know he had seen my Twitter and that I had tweeted some stuff. And yeah, he's too good. He's too good to talk to a noob. Right? He's too good to give advice and help me out, especially what? knowing that we work from everything. the same company. But but then, but then he sees that, and he's got no problem running around talking shit about how unprofessional I am, and this and that. And the funny thing too is, uh, pretty much the stuff that he was he was like targeting with those accusations or not accusations, but um, you know, saying was unprofessional were actually not even things from engagements, but just random like cameras and turnstiles and things like that from you know buildings that we were staying in, as hotels or really? restaurants and things really? like that yeah so don't if if you're if you're too good to fucking help someone out who's just getting in you're also too good to talk shit about them when they make mistakes just keep that in mind
3: i got a question don't need to dox the person or actually try to shame or anything but a scale of one to ten to infosec famous is he a 10 or
5: (laughs) what Like how famous like, is this dude? I mean, we can make guesses all day, and eventually we'll get a reaction out of you. Uh, frankly, I have no idea. I haven't. I haven't a looked
10: him up. Poker face, I,
5: <laughs> I haven't. I haven't even looked into the guy since I I heard that. Uh, so I honestly have no idea what his following or, or anything looks like. I got you. Yeah, the,
10: there there have been a few pretty nasty uh, personalities that I've run into in the beginning in in beginning this career, but almost everybody has been absolutely encouraging and absolutely wonderful. And I, I don't know where I would be without this community guys. So thank you. Awesome.
0: Thanks for being on guys.
5: Yeah, it's it's really been fun talking to you guys. I hope hope a few people out there either have, uh, you know, heard some things that they might try out on their next gig or their first gig or people have, you know, heard heard valuable information on how they can keep their organization safe. Whatever direction you're going with this info, just use it wisely and use it vigilantly. And, you know, don't don't rely on the same tricks too often, but more often than not, the same tricks are going to work.
10: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to talk shop, just reach out on Twitter and well, I mean I think we're both just super nerds about this stuff.
5: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I may not always see the request DMs. So like, you know, if, if I'm not responding to you over DM, it's probably because it's like filed into the request somewhere and I don't really check those. Uh but you know, if if I'm not responding over DM, feel free to hit me up over over a public tweet and I'll check
7: just, just add a
5: At me, bro.
4: (laughs) Hell yeah! So, thank you guys so much for coming on. Um, so glad you guys could come on and talk about this kind of stuff. Um, before we go, one last thing. Um, next week. All right. So, before before we go uh, too crazy here, um, John McAfee might might he's been considering this coming on. Uh, really so that's next sick week, bro you are you drunk <laughs> and, um
8: one yeah, too many kombuchas I would, I, would
4: suggest, I would suggest giving a slight nudge to this this uh this person and um, um to come on because we tried to get them they said uh what day and asked if they could be naked and a bunch of other weirdo questions, but we want to talk about his work on early mainframes, his uh, early malware, and whale fucking, and bath salts, and whatever else he wants to talk about, so this is a pretty only. Big...
10: only I will only tune in if there's video involved. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> so Everybody send on. a tweet to him, let him know, get his attention.
4: Yeah, just tell him, Tell him, hey, what's up? We should come out. Uh, eat some Steakums and do some bath salts. We go hand in hand so all right yeah but um yeah so john mcafee just uh say hi to that boy for us and um, john if you're we listening that, we love you yes john. <laughs> hi, all right john's papa john
10: um so yeah <laughs> dude don't, don't don't bring that
4: welcome to uh just uh say hi on our behalf to him yeah, so um, until then, I guess uh, we're out, so we'll be back next week. If John McAfee doesn't come on, we have another guest lined up, but we are just hoping, fingers crossed, that young McAfee comes on and uh schools us in um making drinks like the infamous Whale Fucker, Kombucha, and Kiernau. So all right <laughs> thanks everybody for listening this has been Thug Always uh, this is with, uh, I commit felonies and jack Hyde. uh we are on spotify now and itunes so check out the show notes we are oh i should have grabbed those again um i'll throw them in the chat one more time um yep there we go so uh, yeah check out oh, our podcast know. on your favorite podcast app
7: and we'll see you next week bye Shut the Later.